Welcome into Hoopsville, everybody. I'm your host, Dave McHugh, coming to you on a Tuesday, March 22nd. We have wrapped up the 2021-22 basketball season, and we have two new, brand new champs. Congratulations to the Hope Women and Randolph-Macon men as they crowned champions this past weekend. If you got questions for us, you can tweet us at D3 Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. You can join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Lots of ways you can get a hold of us. Hope you'll take full advantage of them throughout the show. You can also email us at d3sports.com. I believe I mentioned that one. And lots of other ways. So please take advantage of them. Chat with us. We look forward to hearing from you. Lots of ways, et cetera, et cetera. Don't be a stranger. How you doing? Great championships, to say the least. Uh, it was fun to be out in Fort Wayne, where we had the biggest crowd I think we've ever had for Division Three basketball. Uh, except for the Atlanta uh, 2013 championship, but that's you know a little bit of a, a different scenario. But uh, 4,900 paid to be at the games on Friday. 3,800 paid for the games on Saturday. I don't know if all of those numbers actually were in the building, just because it's like kind of like bas- uh, baseball. You pay versus gate, but um, that was what we were told, and it certainly was capacity. Uh, out there, to say the least. Um, Wabash brought fans. Elmer's brought fans. Randolph-Macon was there in force. Uh, and so was um, Marietta, obviously. Uh, looked great. Um, didn't get to the women's, but the women's looked spectacular as well. Pat Coleman and Gordon Mann out there for the semis. Gordon there for the championship. Um, great job uh, out there at Duquesne. Uh, looked, looked pretty good there. Looked pretty raucous as well on Thursday and Saturday. Uh, women's games, pretty good, to be honest with you. Thursday, uh, Hope had a, what I want to say, a 15-point lead at one point. 13-point lead, though, going into the fourth quarter. Trine came all the way back and tied it. Finally kind of showed up or figured things out or whatever it was and uh, gave Hope a bit of a game before Hope was able to advance. Whitewater and Amherst was a good battle back and forth with Whitewater pulling it off in the end. And then you had your championship, and that was a game that, Looked pretty good for much of it before Hope finally pulled away near the end. Uh, in the last quarter of the game, they kind of put their foot down and made an exclamation point for the season. Of course, you could argue Hope has been in this situation, well, even 2020, when we lost everything. So culmination of a championship there for a program that's been kind of at the top for the entire tenure. And then on the men's side, Friday, the games were Pretty interesting scores. I don't think indicated just how hard fought they were. First one between Randolph Manger and Marietta, a, a much um, expected and looked at and penciled in rematch. Got pretty good in the first half. Marietta came back, got within close, and then uh, <laughs> Randolph Macon did what Randolph Macon's done to everybody. Put their foot down with their own run and then just inched away from them in the second half. Nothing the Pioneers could do about it. In the second game, Wabash versus Elmhurst was actually a pretty good game. Elmhurst, probably the best they've played all season. Uh, absolutely clicking in all cylinders. Uh, unfortunately, one unfortunate moment with Schreiber in the about five minutes left to go in the first half were a very hard foul, uh, flagrant two, and he was ejected from the contest. Kind of goes back to the fact that Wa- it put Wabash in a tough spot because you know we didn't talk about it because it really wasn't picked up upon. They lost... One of their key guys off the bench after the first weekend in Hardy. I think it was Hardy. I think I have the name right there. And um, 
that had a significant impact because now you don't have that extra individual on the on the um, bench that you can come in. You had to go to other guys. Uh, it was unfortunate. Jess Hall, and not Hardy, Jess Hall, Jesse Hall. Um, 6'8", uh, forward, freshman out of, interesting enough, Cross, Crawfordsville, Indiana. Uh, left the program right after the first weekend. Many of us didn't pick up on it. And uh, certainly picked up on it going into the week, into the championship weekend, though. But when Schreiber was ejected from the game, they didn't have Hall there to, right? Am I thinking of Hall? I think I'm thinking of Hall. Um, just paranoia that I've got the wrong guy. Um, but let me double check here. Yep, it was Hall. Um, he only played nine minutes total in the opening weekend. Not sure what that was all about, but... As a result, disappeared. They didn't have the backup they needed when uh, Schreiber was ejected from the game. And uh, Elmer's took full advantage of it as a result. And Elmer's punched its first ever ticket to the championship game, as did Randolph-Macon. And Randolph-Macon did to Elmer's what everybody has done. Elmer's got to an 18-17 lead with a great run uh, in the first half. And then 21-5 run to close the half for Randolph-Macon. And then they walked away from there. And basically ended it and won by the largest margin in D3 men's basketball championship history and tied the largest in NCAA men's basketball championship history. I think it was Duke UNLV. 30-point win over Elmers for their first ever national championship. Really impressive, to say the least. Uh, Buzz Anthony got most outstanding player for the tournament, and Kennedy Schoenfeld, or Schoenfeld for Hope got the most outstanding player on their side. We will talk to both of them coming up on tonight's show. They were both D3Hoops.com Players of the Year as well. They're also Jostin's finalists. We'll talk to Buzz and Kennedy coming up. We've talked to them recently. We'll talk to them now that it's all over. Also ahead, Randolph-Macon coach Josh Merkel will join us and Hope coach Brian Morehouse will join us. We'll then hear from the D3Hoops.com staff. Gordon Mann can't make it. Ryan Scott says he can. And I believe we'll hear from Gordon Mann or uh, Pat Coleman as well, but I'm not positive, actually. <laughs> Forgot to confirm. But we'll talk about the tournament and everything that took place uh, as well. So there you go. Um, great, great events. Uh, Fort Wayne, the arena did a nice job of rolling out the carpet and welcoming everybody. There was a lot of things else going on, just like there was a lot going on in Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh had the men's basketball championship weekend as well, the first two Rounds, which the women got to go see one of those games. On the men's side, there was a Lutheran High School Championship Tournament there that weekend. Uh, The arena had the alpaca event of some kind, a gun show as well. Just a lot going on. Um, So neither city really totally focused on the D3 championships, but it was nice, at least in Fort Wayne, to see coaches we hadn't seen in a long time and Got to see the All-Star game played once again. And, uh, yeah, all in all, pretty good. Congratulations to both teams who basically are were the cream of the crop in Division Three throughout the uh, last three year, few years. Um, and it was, uh, it was well, it was well, it was, it was, well, well attended, but it was it was well worth going. By the way, Zach Snyder, who I got a chance to meet, along with his brother Matt, just tweeted, not much time left on uh, – I'm told D3 Hoopsville in Fort Wayne that I would get my order in, and I just did. Thank you, Zach. Uh, the T-shirt's available, if, if you've forgotten. 
We have T-shirts available. I had a graphic I, I made and I, I've forgotten it, so I will I will make another one that shows the three shirts um, that you can get. Um, I'll say this much: those three shirts. That's one thing, but you can also uh, get some. You don't have to get just that design on them, which we'll show you here in a bit. There's other designs. There's other styles you could get. So uh, just give me a moment. We'll, we'll, we'll show that off here in a moment. Uh, but, again, those shirts are available for uh, you to enjoy if you want. It's a Hoopsville shirt. It goes to benefit the show. We hope you'll consider uh, giving us a, a little bit of a help. It goes for the end of the month, uh, as long as you can is as long as you can get these shirts. So don't waste any time. Uh, is my point. And here we'll get them up on the screen for you. Here they are. Ta-da! There's your shirts. And there's a link just tweeted. We retweeted Zach's link. There's a link pinned to my d3hoops.com uh, Twitter account. We'll also get one on the show page after the show. Um, those are the shirts, three different styles, and you can get three different designs. There's different designs, different colors, lots of things you can do on there. So please don't hesitate. Hoopsville.itemorder.com. Hoopsville.itemorder.com. Um, a cotton tee, a performance tee, and an essential tee. Not in that order. From left to right, it's performance on the picture you're looking at. Performance tee, essential tee, cotton tee. There you go. So. Thank you, Zach, for the reminder on that. Um, hope you'll consider getting them and uh, helping the cause, as it were. Uh, congratulations to All-Americans as both D3Hoops.com and All-American lists have come out. Also, the NABC All-American lists have been out. Uh, so has the WBCA. NABC came out uh, about a week ago. Uh, D3Hoops.com All-Americans came out on Saturday, and the WBCA All-Americans came out today. Um, the only difference I, th- you know, I mean, there's a lot of differences, but player of the year, the NABC went with, um, um, Ryan Terrell from Yeshiva. Of course we went with Buzz Anthony, um, but the NABC or the WBCA and D3 hoops all went with, uh, Schoenfeld from hope. So congratulations to her on the, on the double selection there. National coach of the year went to GP Gromacki on the women's side for our selection, went to Meg Barber for the WBCA. On our selection, we went with uh, Josh Merkel for Coach of the Year. Uh, NABC, actually, I don't know if they announced that. Did they? Um, I'm just typing it in real quick to see if maybe uh, I've forgotten or missed it or something along those lines. Um, yeah, I'll have, to, I'll have to look it up. I am absolutely unsure of whether that is uh, something they've announced or not on the NABC side. One of those things where sometimes you just can't keep track of it all. I know they announced the All-America list. Uh, The question just becomes whether they announced um, more than that. But uh, we'll double-check throughout the show, but I, I I didn't remember seeing it. So if you've got questions, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville, email us, hoopsville at D3Sports.com. We're live streaming on YouTube, youtube.com slash Hoopsville. You're allowed to ask us questions there as well. We're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Send us a comment there if you so choose as well. We'd love to hear from you and uh, interact with you. Again, coming up, Josh Merkel will join us from Randolph-Macon. We'll talk about the national championship, uh, what it means for him, the program, the school. Believe it or not, it's Randolph-Macon's first national title, I believe, in any sport. Then we'll have Buzz Anthony and Kennedy Schoonveld from Hoop, 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 
from Randolph, Megan, and Hope on to talk about being players of the year and national champions, of course. And then um, Brian Morehouse will join us, and then Ryan Scott and others. I just got a tweet. Oh, thank you. Zach Snyder, I appreciate the assist on that. They did give Josh Merkel the coach of the year. That was announced. Oh, that's why I missed it. <laughs> it came out earlier today. I hadn't or I hadn't seen that earlier today. So Josh Merkel cleans up both coach of the year honors uh, there. Uh, I think the picture they're using is a D3 photography photo, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, uh, the D3 photo guys were awesome, both in Pittsburgh and in Fort Wayne. If you get a chance, we'll try and send out a tweet later as well. Uh, the 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 portfolios were outstanding, really great to see and uh, fun stuff. Um, let's see here, trying to see if maybe they've already tweeted them out. I can just cheat and grab them now. Um, yep, we've got them. I'll tweet out right now the uh, the men's, and we'll grab the women's later. Uh, great photography out there in both Pittsburgh and Fort Wayne. I, I highly encourage you to buy some pictures if possible and um, what and, and whatnot. Well worth supporting them and their efforts uh, throughout as well. So there you go. Uh, just a, a little bit of business. This is our last uh, video show of the season. This is how we do it. We do one more video show to wrap the season up, and then we will get to... Go to podcast idea. Now, in the past, we've struggled a little bit with this, but it has been a few years since we've had a normal year. The plan will be that basically on a monthly basis, we'll put out a podcast, or if something warrants, the something warrants thing can certainly change the equation a wee bit. But uh, so my, my thought at this point is we are here in late March, March 22nd to be exact. My other life of spring sports and others is now ramped up fully. And so uh, I have to focus a little bit on that. So worst case scenario, we'll get out a podcast mid-April probably, and we'll stick to the around the mid-time of the month, uh, though that ton sometimes can drag to the end. We even may have some guest hosts. You know, Pat Coleman maybe does something and we'll have him do it or someone else. But that gives us April, May, June, July, August, September, and October. So seven shows to do. Uh, again, if we feel that there's more to do than, than that, then we'll do more than that. Um, right now we'll do it kind of in the format of this show in the sense that we'll have a couple interviews with, with individuals, depending on the topic of the day or topic of the show or, or other things that we're trying to cover. And then, um, in November, we'll be get back to the shows that there are, as you know. But we'll cross that bridge. But just, again, this is the last video show of the year. So if you haven't subscribed to our podcast channel, which you can find on SoundCloud, or you can find on Apple TV, or I'm sorry, Apple TV, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Um, we have, we're have we on a lot of different avenues, and if we're not on your favorite, let us know. But um, you can then jump on and uh, um, follow us there. We may change the home. I'm playing with some ideas with it, where our home will be, but you can still find us in many of those locations. Speaking of podcasts, I'll listen to a lot of them on the way out to Fort Wayne and on the way back. If anyone's curious, it's about an eight-hour drive, give or take. I think it took me longer to get out there, but it took me less time to get back. So I listen to a lot of music, but sometimes I listen to podcasts. Uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts on this trip, and on the way back, I stumbled back into the Duncan Robinson 
podcast, the, the Long Shot, I believe it's called, and I uh, happened to stumble into comparing D3 and D1. That can make one nervous, to be honest. But I thought it was rather well done. Uh, it's done with his good buddy who went to Wesleyan, Davis. Forgive me, Davis. Just blanked on your last name. And uh, Davis came up with categories to compare D3 and D1. Uh, I'm paraphrasing. I'm not nailing these down, but one was like crowd atmosphere. Another one was, uh, now it started with pregame music, but it got turned into pregame atmosphere, pregame vibe. Um, another was, um, um, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to find the word I wanted to use, but basically um, perks, uh, swag from a tournament. Yeah, another one was how the schools responded, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, Duncan gave his take on which one in each category was better, D3 or D1. And I'll tell you now, go wor- it's, go- it's well worth a listen because it's not what you expect. Um, hats off to Duncan for, for uh, telling it as it was. And uh, some of them, obvious the category, I knew where it was headed. Others, I was a little surprised. So check them out. Well worth the, the uh, listen. You don't have to listen to all his podcasts. I have not been able to listen to all of them. I wouldn't mind going back and trying. Um, but definitely worth listening to that one. It's the most recent one, D3 versus D1, unless they came one out with one this week already. Uh, and you'll enjoy it, I, I assure you. I think you might find it rather interesting. And with that, we're going to take a break and get our first guest lined up. It'll be Josh Merkel from the now number one, has been number one for quite some time, Randolph Macon. Yellow Jackets men's basketball. Josh will join us to talk about the national championship and so much more. You are listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC studios. Thanks to our partners at the WBCA, Blue Frame Technology, and many others. Back with more after this. teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer at every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive. You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass. And cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success. And prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. 
It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. As we continue on this Tuesday evening edition, as we continue along, hope you have uh, hope you're enjoying the show. If you got any questions, tweet us at d3hoopsville or hashtag hoopsville. Email us hoopsville at d3sports.com. That's hoopsville at d3sports.com. Uh, lots of ways you can get a hold of us, and we hope you'll take advantage of them. And uh, we're on Facebook, facebook.com/slash hoopsville. We're also on YouTube, youtube.com/slash hoopsville. If you got questions or whatever, hey, give us a ring. Uh, we'll try and answer your questions if at all possible. Uh, great to catch up with a lot of the coaches. The All-Star Game at the NABC uh, put on was pretty fun to watch. Um, guys, <laughs> it was not surprisingly back and forth in offense. Not much defense till the end when things got a little bit more serious. Um, but fun to chat with players and chat with coaches who were able to make the make the trip. Uh, women did not have their um, their game. Sorry, just got a, a text I had to deal with. Um, oh, never mind. Um, sorry. Um, women did not have their all-star game, and we hope to see that back here relatively soon from the women's side. Um, it certainly was worth doing, and we hope that the women will take advantage of it uh, in the future and get the funding and everything in place to be able to do it as well. Uh, with that in mind... Let's, uh, we now actually end the bids, by the way. We turn over to a new bid cycle, which is why we'll be back in Fort Wayne until 2026. I believe we're in Salem for the women's on the next run. More importantly, though, we're actually in Dallas for D1, D2, D3 for women in 2023. I'm not sure. The men's will not be made up for what we lost in 2020, and I don't remember if there's another one set up yet or not. We'll certainly look into that in the offseason. With that in mind, let's talk about the number one team in the country and the def and now the defending champs, the champs of 2022 on the men's side. It is the Randolph-Macon Yellow Jackets had a tremendous run to the championship, to say the least. Finished with just one loss in overtime by a basket. That close to perfection. Something I didn't really think we appreciated until the end when they dominated their way through the NCAA tournament, winning every game by, I think the average was 25 Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it is Josh Merkel, who joins us to chat all about it. Coach, good to see you. Congratulations. I know this has been long in coming. I, I'm curious, now that you had a couple of days to kind of let it soak in, what, what's it feel like? Feels good, Dave, uh, and thanks for having me on. Always good to talk with you. Um, yeah, it might, might feel better than I expected. Um, just to see the joy on our guys' faces, the whole experience of uh, – you know, the struggle and then cutting down the nets and uh, the family's joy. It's uh, it's pretty neat, pretty special. NCAA does a great job. You guys do a great job covering. And, um, yeah, I think uh, guys are going to be excited for a while. Yeah, I have a feeling they'll be <laughs> pretty excited for a while. Speaking of, which, speaking of excitement, it was so exciting that Fundenberg shaved his beard. I saw video and he's – I mean, he had this long beard going, made him very recognizable. I didn't look – I didn't recognize him on the, on the video. Was – 
I, I'm now begging to know, and maybe you you don't know. Was that because was that all pandemic based? I don't, I don't know if it was pandemic based. Funny has a lot of uh, he's got a lot of hair, so he'll he'll grow out the top, he'll grow out the beard. Um, I think he just yeah, little superstition that he didn't want to cut it until the season was over. Fair. And as soon as the season was over, it was coming off. So he went from like a fifth year to looking like a sophomore freshman again. Yes, he did. Yes. Uh, again, if someone hadn't mentioned his name or put a graphic up, I would not have realized it was him. So um, true. I mean, again, long beard, but uh, soaking in and, and taking it in, in many different ways. One of them is apparently shave the whole thing off. Um, at this point, are you just going to go without shaving? I mean, you've won. Is, it, is your superstition the other way around? I, I don't I maybe I used to but I don't have many superstitions now Dave I don't, I don't know that I have any so I you know I shave I shave every morning I wake up does it doesn't look good I can't grow a good beard like Fundy yeah if no, I could like I. Fundy I might I can't shave every day but I can't grow a beard either uh, to save any any part of my life much to everybody's uh happiness um <laughs> Obviously, I'm, I'm more curious about a lot of, uh, well, a lot of things, but I'm curious about how the school reacted. We knew they came out and supported you well. I, I heard from a few friends, even in the ODAC, former ODAC members, um, which I missed in uh, Fort Wayne, but they were there on hand. But what was the reaction like when you guys got back to, to Ashland, Virginia? Man, the community of Ashland, and they, they've always been behind us. And, um, you know, they're always excited about our guys and, and not just winning, but how we win. And they were awesome. So when we flew back, um, and pulled on the campus, there was probably about 150 people cheering the guys on and welcoming us at the fountain. And then on Monday, um, they had uh, they closed down the dining hall. They had uh, food outside for all the students and any uh, alums and, and supporters that wanted to join. And then we went into Crenshaw, and I spoke a bit. Buzz spoke a bit. Uh, our AD said a few words. And uh, so it was really special seeing uh, seeing the excitement and joy that we can bring to the community around Ashland. I told you this on Saturday, and I said it on the broadcast. I, I basically said what Hal Nunley couldn't do, what Webb couldn't do, what Nate Davis and Mike Rhodes couldn't do. You ended up winning a championship. And it almost seems shocking to me when I look at Randolph making history that there hasn't been a championship. It always seems to come up short. What was different about this year, knowing the history of Randolph making that you guys were able to pull this together? Well, I think, number one, those guys have set the foundation brick by brick, and you can't underestimate uh, that that work that they've been putting in to build that tradition to come up short and yet keep striving and keep trying. I think more more so it shows just how hard it is and how things have to fall into place, go your way. You have to be talented. You have to be a good defensive team. You have to stay injury-free, which we did. Um, you have to have the absence of some bad luck and some bad bounces. I mean, we were really working on – I remember, uh, I think Chattanooga advanced um, on that half-court shot. The guy is going left, and I'm like, guys, I don't know what we would do differently in this situation other than we can't only be up two in, in, in a game like that and with them having the ball. Um, so, I, I, you know, Dave, I could say all day the players, you know, the Buzz Anthony, Miles Mallory, but everyone really buying into their role. Um, and then having a, a talented group and an older group and older guards, strong guards, uh, and Josh Talbert and Buzz Anthony, uh, just a couple of reasons why, why we were able to punch through this year. And you go back, you lost the one game by a, a single point, Christopher Newport in overtime back on Sunday, the 28th of November at the CNU Classic. 
Uh, you had gone back-to-back in classics. Interesting enough, CNU wasn't ranked at the time, but they were a top 25 team really in, in all essence. And so you ended up playing four straight top 25 teams in that stretch, losing that fourth one. What was it about that game that triggered the rest of the season? Because amazingly, including an ODAC play, you didn't drop another one. Yeah, I mean, credit to CNU, Johnny K and his staff and his players. Um, they're a great program, not just team, but program. And even with some new guys and young guys, um, they're tough, they're physical, they rebound, they really know how to guard. Uh, John just does a great job. So, you know, every one of those, we, we look at them as, um, you know, a great measuring stick. Um, and hopefully, you know, we're somewhere close to for them. But uh, they were tougher. And I told our team after, I just, oh, I think there's a lot of value in owning the loss. I said, that's why he's a Final Four coach and I'm not. We weren't tough enough the last five minutes. Even, even though we may have played well the first 35, it was a great lesson for our guys about finishing, playing for 40, not 35. I, I definitely think it sharpened our focus uh, going into the ODAC because we played Roanoke and Virginia Wesleyan that, that next week. Um, and we have a bunch of guys, Dave. You know, we got some freshmen and sophomores that don't know about losing. And so there is, you know, it's an art how you bounce back from a loss. Um, in the past – Years ago, we lost two games in a row, and that was one of our guys' goals a few years ago is that we would never lose two in a row. We'd always find a way to bounce back. And um, so proud of the guys for that. And sometimes you need that loss. I mean, people are now talking about the perfect record. There were other games we could have lost during the year. We just wanted to keep getting better. And sometimes, you know, having a loss can wake your guys up and, and really make people aware. Growth happens in the extremes. Losing is an extreme. Um, losing that when we were led by 35 minutes – was extreme, but it but it certainly helped us grow. You guys, prior to that, in the previous six games, had three games ten points or in single digits. After that, you had three games in single digits the rest of the season, and they came in a four game stretch at the end of January, beginning of February. You guys defensively went to another world, and you seemed to keep going deeper into that hole, as it were, the rest of the season. I know that I've always heard the adage, and you've said it. Unless you play defense, you're not getting on the floor. It doesn't matter how good you are offensively. You guys really took that to another edge because I'm blown away by what you did to really, really good teams. Was it was it an all in mentality? What was the what was the clicking moment? <laughs> Discipline equals freedom. Once you once you have an awareness and a base for how you can guard, keep the ball in front, help your teammates, rebound. Um, then you can have more freedom to maybe um, make some plays. You know, Josh Talbert's certainly a good example. He's got great instincts to steal, um, but we need to get that vision in that position. Uh, it, you know, it's something that we've trained. It's something that we're committed to. We, we think of ourselves as having a defensive identity and that uh, we're just going to get better as the game goes on when we're playing some of these teams. Um, but it also it starts with the players, Dave. I mean, from film session to film session, hungry to learn, growth mindset, not a fixed mindset. Um, I, I've certainly um, blistered some guys in the film room, not not in a bad way, but just like, hey, we need you. We need you to grow. We need you to get this. And, and our guys have been so resilient and so coachable. And you see the the, the end product um, out there on, on Friday and Saturday in the Final Four. Well, and, and everyone talked about the difference between the two Marietta games going into the second one. You know, what would it be closer because Marietta's gotten better and I guess it was because of that defensive mentality. You guys were playing more players. You were deeper offensively. 
because it seems those guys had bought in defensively. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm not, we're not going to put you out there if you haven't, if you can't add some value. And I think guys had been doing that. And shoot, there were even a couple guys I would have loved to get in there, couldn't quite pull the trigger, but some guys that are really close to being ready that should be able to help us next year. Um, I don't know, Dave, I think with, with all the things that have gone on within our group, referencing get to the Sweet 16, season's canceled for COVID, don't have an opportunity to play for a championship last year, uh, with some really good players and good teams, there was just this sense that we are not going to let this opportunity pass us by. I also, I also really think it speaks to the love that our players had for each other, especially our seniors. That was a theme that was running through. So when they're in a film session, they're thinking about their guy. And I got to be locked in. I, I want to be at my best for Buzz Anthony, for David Funderburg. Um, and that, that's a powerful feeling when, when guys that, – that's where the click starts to happen is when those guys are doing it out of love. I know it's just one championship, and, and what has lost for the last couple of years will, will certainly sting for a while. Because when you look at numbers, like not only did you win 34 or 33 of 34 games this year, you won something like 51 of the last 52. You won 102, uh, 102 of the last 109 games in the last four years. This team has been in an insane place for a long time, and that is hard to do for any good program. Mm hmm. Especially when you you lose players, you go through the pandemic. That's a whole nother level of of crazy. What is it about this unit that you were able to put together through recruiting that just seemed to be different? Well, we certainly have have plenty of talent. Uh, I heard Coach Bain say, you know, that they had an embarrassment of riches. So I can certainly echo and understand that. I think two things come to mind right away, Dave. Is number one, you have guys that um, are not caught up in their own numbers. Like Ian Robertson, I think Vanderwall said this, you know, he's, he's a seven points a game guy. But if you look at somebody like that, um, you're missing out on the fact of how good a player he is. He would average a lot more on other teams. Um, he was a tremendous player, but he bought into, all right, this is what the team needs for me. Uh, if it means we're going to win, I'm all in. And I, I think that's, we had more winners, more focused on being part of something bigger than themselves. And that's huge. And then you have, you know, the speed of the leader determines the speed of the pack. So Buzz has been all in on basketball and improvement and winning since since he got to campus. And then as he, you know, matured and grew on his leadership journey, he, he was just pulling guys with them and they don't even know it. And he doesn't even know it, but he's, they didn't want to let him down. But we could get a lot done when you have a, a, a locker room leader like him um, who's always present every single practice session and is essentially a coach on the sideline, really giving high-level instruction and helping us solve problems. It was amazing. You, you talk about Buzz, and we, we're going into that final game, and Elmer's is known to shut down the best player on every team. Uh, they had done it against Wabash with Jack Davidson. They had done it pretty much every game in the tournament. They had done it with other games throughout the season. Uh, Hooker is an amazing defender on ball and off. And I said to a lot of people, I said, okay, that's great. Listen, I, I know they can shut down Buzz Anthony if they want to, but here's the difference with Randolph-Macon. They don't care. It almost seems like you guys don't care if Buzz is taken out because you have so many options and he doesn't have to score to be good. Yeah. I, I think we're blessed in that area, Dave, because, yeah, if you look at Elmhurst, they need Rody to score 18, right, to, to do what they do or get to 70-plus points. Um and Marietta might be similar. You know, they need those guards uh, to, to really get going. I mean, certainly 
Buzz never had a bad game this year. I think, um, you know, he maybe he missed some shots, but his defense was always, you know, one of the best defenders on the floor, if not the best. Um, and he's doing all those little things. He's leading the team. He's running the offense. He's, you know, if the game is calling for him to assist and hunt the paint and make others better, then that's what he's going to do. He just doesn't care about reaching his averages or anything like that. What he cares about is the win. And it is unique. It is rare to just have that going in and, and is, he wants to make everybody better. And so when you have that, and, and we, Dave, you know, I, I've said this before, but I credit the ODAC because we saw great players, great defenses, uh, Hamden, Sydney, Guilford. Uh, Buzz has seen a lot of different looks thrown at him. You know, I mean, a double coming early, um, you know, not even a ball screen. And here comes, they're just running a second defender. So we, we had to learn and figure out how to solve some problems because we were playing some great defenses in our own season. And I think, um, and I told some of the ODAC coaches, you know, we, we were really tested more in the ODAC. And I know this is typical of leagues because you're really familiar. Um, but we had some big time tests in our ODAC season. And maybe people are just sleeping on the ODAC, and that's why they were sleeping on us. There's some great teams in the ODAC that, that probably should have been playing. I'll, I'll swing back to the ODAC in a minute because I, I did have a thought I wanted to run past you. Um, but quickly back to Elmhurst. You know, they're a team that was 22 and 0 this season when they scored 80 points, they averaged 81. You held them to 45, Josh. Did you guys not get the memo? They're a good offense. What uh, What was the secret? Listen, I know you have a good defense, and you've done this to every team, but how do you hold so many good teams like an Elmer's to, to a 45? Oof. I mean, what I would say is our offense is also good defense. When you make people guard – multiple actions and uh, make them run around a little bit. You can take a little bit of energy and conditioning out of them. Um, so that's, that's one key is we're, we're going to make you, uh, we want to get into your legs a little bit, uh, make you guard multiple actions, um, not turn it over and give you easy ones. And, um, and then secondly, I, I don't know, our guys take great pride in the defense. We say defense travels. Uh, we talked about bricks. I mean, I don't think it's any different than what other teams do. I think maybe our guys have, have the capacity to do it. They're, they're extremely connected. Um, we feel like we're prepared and ready for anything, and then we just have to go out and, and finish it. I'll, I'll say WPI, I thought guys did a great job of, like, handling their different actions, but then when the shot went up, they were just killing us, you know, like Guilford did, like CNU did. But thankfully, playing those guys, we were, we were able to learn from it, I think get better at it, and then it showed up again in the Elmhurst game where we weren't giving them many seconds. So I think offense can be your best defense. And then I think those committed defenders, um, like we looked at that stat, Dave, and we said, I, I don't think there was a guy on our, on our roster that, that really felt like they were going to get to 70. And there, so we took a lot of confidence from that because we had done it. It's not like we're just talking about it. It's, it's what we've done to some other teams. Well, you beat Mitchell in the first round by 42. You beat Babson in the second round by 16. You beat both Mass Dartmouth and WPI by 23 each. You beat Marietta by 18, and it didn't even feel that close. And he ended up beating Elmers by 30. 30 in the championship game. By the way, largest victory by a Division III men's basketball champion in the championship game and ties the all-NCAA championship game record with Duke UNLV. That's, that's a staggering number. You would put games away early. Like, you would have – I, I think I told you, I told many others. You seem to have a run – like in the first half somewhere where you would gain distance. In the Elmer's case, you were down 18-17 going on 21-5 run into halftime. 
And in the second half, all you do is inch away. Is that the offense? Is that the defense? Is it the combo? Yeah, I'd say combo, and I'd say just laser-focused, committed. We we coach every possession, especially on defense. Um, you know, I'm, I'm writing down every single score and what was the breakdown. Now, sometimes, I, I like, perfect world, all I write down is tough shot over someone. Um, but that's, that's, the, that's the perfect defense. Uh, you know, there's a lot of – we call them defensive crimes, and we just continually point those out, not in a, you know, make you feel bad way, but, like, we need you to close this gap and fix it so that people are watching, you know, we've got some talented coaches and players watching this film and they're going to take advantage. You know, if someone gets scored on in the post, they're going to take advantage of that. We've always been working to close those gaps, Dave. And I would say that's, that's probably the biggest thing, but you know, we've, we've taken ever since we, we had some painful losses, didn't advance in the ODAC tournament early on. And certainly in my coaching career and in some of our players, there's just been this emphasis on winning every possession. I think that's what's reflected in our margin of victory. Um, that guys, you can't take plays off. You play to the standard. We do not play the scoreboard. I was coaching those guys. I was coaching those guys in the last minute um, because we think every possession really does matter. Yeah, I saw you coaching in the last minute. Uh, very much so. Um, by the way, quick note, I know you don't like it being called a 3-2. For the layperson, that's the best way to describe it for him. Mo Cacera yeah. certainly did his fair share at 3-2, and he knows defenses as well as anybody. Um, but what I was a little surprised by is, and, and I kind of forgotten to be honest, that you and Dale Wellman had been uh, coaching uh, Buds at Eastern Kentucky. I know he plays something similar, but I feel like I wasn't watching the Nebraska Wesleyan defense there. It, do you two have similarities, but a lot of differences that makes yours just more unique? Yeah, because I think it can morph, just like an offense will morph. You know, you could have the same offense, but you have different personalities running yeah. it. And I think that's what it was, is um, he had a little more length um, than probably we had. So we have to make up for it maybe with quicker feet and more active hands or whatever that is. Um, I mean, there's certainly – you're giving up something in that 3-2. And the fact that we've played it for as long as we have, we've been able to make a lot of mistakes and kind of fine-tune. I know, I know this with Dale that his team really believed in it. Like when he was like, hey, do you want to go man or zone? They were always, you know, maybe go to the zone. Um, and, and our guys kind of fought that until this year. And, um, you know, this, this year they knew how good it was for us. We, we probably said before every game, hey, it needs to be good for us this year. I've, I've had teams that were better man defensive teams. This one was still learning, growing. We had some young guys out there that, um, you know, probably the zone helped hide some deficiencies. And, um you know, it's hard to just pound it inside when you're doing that, and it can create some turnovers that can get your offense going. Yeah, and you guys, of course, didn't stick with it the whole time. I saw you changing in and out of it uh, throughout the season, throughout a game, et cetera. Back to the ODAC. Uh, I said this uh, this weekend to a lot of people because I think I, I kind of realized it myself. Yeah, we all thought the ODAC was a bit down in the last couple of years. I think in reality, you were just smoking them. You were absolutely taking it to some teams, and it made it, made us not appreciate maybe just how competitive that conference has been because about midway through this year, I kind of remember looking going, you know what? It's better than I think it is. Randolph Mank is just beating everybody. Yeah. Is, is that fair? I mean, yeah, we could talk about whether another one should have been in there. I think, I think happenstance Roanoke beats Guilford once and you do have a second one in there, mm-hmm. but just from your scope, was it because you were so much better that the rest of the ODAC maybe didn't get the attention it normally gets? I think I think you 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 hit it on the head in terms of that one um, you know kind of part of the system 
where, you know, Roanoke's not on the board because Guilford's on top of them. And so no one can consider Roanoke. Um, both those teams could easily have, have won some games in the ODAC tournament, especially if they got to host, you know, just think a lot of those teams in the, in their programs. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know, Dave, I think, um, I think a lot of the guys that we're competing against and, um, you know, it's a, I hope that we're more than a one bid league moving forward. I'll, I'll just say that. Yeah, no, I, I think you guys normally are. I think just happenstance, uh, really, to be honest with you, um, more than anything. Uh, looking ahead, okay, you lose Buzz Anthony. You know, that's going to sting a little bit. You'll you'll lose some other guys like Ian Robertson. By the way, apparently he'd like to play Marietta as much as possible, 20 points in November, <laughs> 22 in the semifinals. Um, but you also bring back a ton of this team, including Mallory. How much – how this isn't one trick pony. You guys, you guys are kind of set for a while and I'm sure this will help recruiting too. You guys must be excited. Oh, super excited. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're going to miss those four guys and and they brought even more than, you know, you can look at the stats, but they just brought so much to the locker room and the camaraderie and uh, they've been through a lot. So you know how tough they are. I mean, Ian, um, you know, is just a big game shot maker and, um, and an awesome teammate and, and extremely coachable kid. So you know, I'm going to miss all those guys. Daquan Morris from, from the Hill School and, and certainly David Funderburg, too. It was a really strong core, man. No one's won more than those guys have in their, in their time together. Um, but I, I'm excited. I mean, Miles and, and Josh are gym rats. They're always in the gym. I'm excited to see and, and partner with them and see what they're going to do and, and work to improve on. Um, it felt like the last couple of years that it was my, you know, my job not to screw them up, my job not to mess up. And I think with, with this group, we, we won't quite have uh, as much of a bullseye on the back. Not that we, you know, can't get there, but, um, you know, it's, it is exciting to see, uh, see what we can do and have other guys emerge and step up. Fundenberg and Anthony, two losses in their career, Crenshaw. Morrison Richardson, zero losses in 45 games at Crenshaw. Uh, I know Crenshaw is a special place, but those four made it a real special place, did they not? Yeah, no, I mean, Crenshaw is a special place, but that it's almost staggering. It's almost laughable. It's like, yes. um, yeah, we've had some good teams come in there into, into that gym and, um, you know, we're, those guys are doing something right. Hey, uh, have you offered Buzz Anthony the coach, an assistant coaching job yet? <laughs> Buzz is going to be playing overseas and, um, but he's always, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think as you know, I think extremely highly of that guy. And I think that guy could be a Brad Stevens, Shaka Smart, coaching at the highest level, coaching the NBA. His, his basketball IQ and how he teaches the game is on another level, especially at his age. Yeah, no. Looking forward to seeing what he does. Looking forward to talking to him. He's probably waiting for us to get done with this so we can talk with him and Kenny Schoenfeld. But, uh, hey, I appreciate the time. I'd love to talk about this forever. I just got a kick out of watching you guys because I was so amazed by the way you played um especially uh down the stretch uh but congratulations on the championship uh i know that that will get put in a special place in the new building hey we saw lots i was gonna say by the way well done balancing up on the uh ladder cutting nets with two children including that one in your arms that was well done thank you thank you hi he's like he's got the same look he did uh in fort wayne what is all this dad and what is going on
<laughs> he did a pretty good job of, of keeping quiet. I was proud of him. No, he's done a great job. Did better than my daughter, who I could hear upstairs, who's much older. Hey, uh, Josh, thanks for the time. Really appreciate it. Congratulations on uh, the championship, obviously, uh, and congratulations on whatever thing you guys have accomplished. I know this will probably open the door for some more Yellow Jacket teams as well. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Oh, Dave, no, thank, thanks for talking Randolph Making Hoops. Love shining the, the light on uh, our guys, our team. Uh, love the job that you do, D3 Hoops. Uh, super appreciative of, of your time and, and the energy that you put into this thing. So thank you. Well, thank you, Josh. Uh, looking forward to uh, well, maybe shooting hoops someday, but shooting the breeze someday as well. Congratulations. Enjoy the summer and uh, enjoy the family. All right, Dave, you too. See ya. Take care. Josh Merkel joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Fun to chat with him. Uh, great chatting. Uh, look forward to uh, catching up with him uh, down the road uh, as well. By the way, a lot of people thinking this might lead to a uh, D1 job possibly in the future for him. I'll be honest with you. I don't know. I, I think an absolute perfect job has to come along for that to happen. Uh, I don't think he's just leaving Randolph making like others have because a job has come their way. Um, but we'll see. You never know. Uh, I'm sure he'll get some phone calls. We'll take a break. When we come back, Buzz Anthony and Kenny Schoonfeld join us, join us on the show to talk about the championships and being players of the year. You're listening to Hoops Hoop presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC studios. Back with more after this. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. It's on us to stop sexual assault in any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% will go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. 
Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville as we get closer to the end of the uh, official season. Uh, we always joke we don't wrap up the season until we finish up Hoopsville. We're on the season finale. Reminder, we'll go to podcasts moving forward from here. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. You can also, uh, by the way, if that's not working, let me know. We're on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. You can also email me, I guess, we'll try that one, Dave.McHugh at D3Sports.com. We'll change the crawl there, Dave.McHugh at D3Sports.com. Just on me, somebody had mentioned to us recently that maybe that wasn't working. We're also on YouTube, YouTube.com slash Hoopsville, where you, we're uh, simulcasting the show along with Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. All right, so let's talk about the best players in all the land, as it were. Um, they include... Um, the two champions, the two best programs in the country. Um, and as a result of that, uh, we wanted to talk to the best players in all land as well because they played some really good basketball to help lead their teams to some national championships. So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline to chat about all of this and to humor me at the same time, it is Kennedy's. Kenny Schoonfeld from Hope and Buzz Anthony from Randolph-Macon joining us here live uh, via the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Kennedy and Buzz, thanks for the time. Appreciate it. Congratulations on the championships. Thank you so much. Hello. Glad Good to, to see you. Uh, it's, it's been a hot minute for Buzz and I. Uh, Kennedy didn't get a chance to see you play. Um, uh, well, I got to watch on video. Certainly did that, but it wasn't, wasn't able to drop by Pittsburgh. So we'll start with you, Kennedy. First and foremost, what was the experience like? Because you got a little bit different than everybody else. You got out there on Wednesday, well, by Wednesday. You played your games Thursday. You had a day off Friday. You got to go to take some D1 game in. And then and then you had your championship on, on Saturday. And now Buzz is jealous. I watched that <laughs> face there for a moment. Uh, tell us about the experience being out there in, in Pittsburgh, Kenny. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. Um, I think to be able to win it was was definitely the coolest thing, but the overall experience out there was truly one of the coolest things I've ever been a part of. Um, and our team had a great time and bonded even more. So it was awesome. Yeah. I don't think anybody wanted you to have a good time. Just a gut feeling, <laughs> uh, including trying, uh, just yeah. think they were done with you having a good time. Um, <laughs> what was it like to take it? Which game did you go to out there in Pittsburgh on the, on the men's side? Um, we got, there about halfway through the Loyola Chicago and Ohio State game and we stayed through halftime of the Villanova game so a couple of couple of them actually. and then you got recognized at halftime of that second game didn't you they, they brought you guys out we did yeah not too shabby what was that like to be recognized on the floor super cool um yeah, just something that I will cherish forever, for sure. I mean, we had seats, like, right behind the bands, so we were, like, courtside, which was awesome, and then they brought us onto the court. So, yeah, it was just a really awesome experience, for sure. I'm sorry it didn't work out so well for you, Kennedy. Uh, <laughs> I know. Really a shame. Really, really <laughs> is. Uh, Buzz, you had a little different experience there at, in Fort Wayne. Uh, first and foremost, uh, that is the biggest crowd, I believe, at least in recent memory, uh, for any Division Three game outside of the 2013 championship game, which was free to everybody who showed up in Atlanta, what was it like to play there on Friday night? Because that place was rocking. Man, it was 
it was unreal. Um, I'd never been to Indiana, so I think it started with the the myth of Indiana basketball. Sure. Being the East Coast kid growing up watching Hoosiers, so um, we flew. We kind of bounced around on our trip there, but our last leg was flying to Toledo, Ohio, and then driving two hours into Fort Wayne. So uh, some guys were playing like old country music, try to get the the theme um, feeling right, and driving the bus in. So. I think it started with that, and then it didn't disappoint. Um, really cool seeing the game after, too, with all the Wabash fans, and I think it was only like an hour away. Did you say uh, Wabash fans? I did. <laughs> okay, we're fixing this now. Kennedy's laughing because she knows better. Wabash. <laughs> My apologies. But no, you're fine. I'm fixing it now. Is. I've heard some people stick on that. I've never heard of anybody thinking it was Wabash, but I've heard it like a dozen times now in the last week. Um Hey, did you guys measure the rims officially since it was all about Indiana and basketball Hoosiers, et cetera? Did you go make sure it was 10 feet and 94 feet and all that stuff? We did not. Okay. We didn't. Well, it didn't seem to hurt you guys too badly in your games. Um, <laughs> but, I, 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 I know that this, this is probably obvious, but I, I got to ask, what's it, what's the feeling like buzz to, to, to win the championship to, a, to, I mean, what you two both have is unique because you're both part of programs that since the, the tournament got shut down were, if you weren't favorites, you certainly were in the mix to win a national championship every single year. 2019 obviously didn't go that way, but 2020, you're, both your programs were, were pointed in that direction. And 2021 probably pointed in that direction, and then this year. So, Buzz, from your perspective, what's it like to get that accomplished, to win the championship that just didn't exist for so many years despite the success? Mm-mm. Um, it's great. I know I've, I've spoken a couple times just about for those seniors that uh, these past two years that weren't able to have this experience in Indiana, um, it, it meant the world to them. I know for us, we had a good amount of them came and traveled to our games. Um, so seeing them in the stands was, was beyond cool. Um, hanging out with them after the game um, and sharing that moment was really special. Um, so I think that was probably the, the biggest thing. And then, you know, even even a deep breath, even kind of almost just years of some pent up dreaming, pent up, uh, you know, feeling feeling like you deserved it, even though winning is not fair. You don't deserve, you know, anything. That's the that's the awesome part about March. But uh, yeah, just an, an awesome sigh of relief for Randolph Megan was the first national championship ever. So uh, it was really cool to do that for for our school. Uh, Kennedy, from your perspective, yeah, that's true for for you guys, Buzz, for any program, which is just mind-boggling considering how good Randolph-Macon usually is in all aspects of sport. Uh, Kennedy, from your perspective, what was it like to finally get that that championship you guys have been kind of angling for for years? Yeah, um, it was incredible. Um, I think similar to what Buzz said, I think there was a lot of like pent up energy, pent up excitement, um, because there was a lot that we didn't get to experience the years before. And I think, um, we were mostly just grateful that there even was a tournament this year. Um, and just grateful for the opportunity to compete for a national championship, no matter what happened, we were just really grateful for that. Um, but to be able to win one now, um, and bring that back to the hope community is something really special. And we'll, We'll definitely remember it forever. So, Kennedy, your games were a little bit nip and tuck, for the for lack of better description. Buzz, in the meantime, their games were close for the opening ten minutes, and then they were blowouts. Uh, they're they're just in another world over there in Ashland, Virginia. 
You guys had, I think it was what, a 13 or 15 point lead going into the fourth quarter against Trine. They come roaring back, which probably in your book, not the most surprising thing in all the land. But you also in the championship game had a battle with Whitewater for much of that game. What is, what's it like to have to constantly be focused for those 40, knowing that a, a different bounce of the ball, this all ends? Yeah, I think Coach Mo has prepared us really well for those moments. I think um, he conditions us hard. Um, practices are long and intense, and so we we have to stay focused for for those. And so I think that prepares us well for a full forty minutes. Um, but I also think our depth is something that's been really special on this Hope team this year. Um, one through fifteen, we have players that can go out and make a difference on the court, um, and. Across the board, I think before the national tournament, none of us played substantial minutes. I mean, we all averaged like the same amount of minutes. And so I think it's really cool that everybody was able to contribute in that way. And I think that also helped us in the tournament run just um, to be able to sub people quickly if needed. And anybody that was coming off the bench could be a threat. So I think that helped us a lot as well. Uh, Buzz, I'm curious, how do you stay focused when you are absolutely putting it to teams defensively? I mean, Elmer's comes in averaging 81 points per game. They absolutely manhandled Wabash, put 93 up on the scoreboard in the semifinals. You guys held them to 45. How do you keep intense during those 40 minutes so you don't let a team back in it? Um, I think it starts from... I think coach touched on this a little bit of the defensive identity and I think just kind of what we preach. And I know me being a leader, um, kind of my upbringing, like playing AU when I was younger, it was, Oh, here's a, you know, a short white guy on the court. ISO, you know, ISO ball, like we'll just go at this guy. So ever since I was younger, it was like, it was personal if you were going to score on me. And I think that kind of uh, rooted itself, whether organically or not in our team and, and so each time someone would score, we talked about just learning from it. So you might hit us with your best set or your best kind of action. And then we're coming in the huddle talking about it like, all right, they're not scoring on this again. So I think teams come in with a game plan and, and we focus and try to learn from what they're doing and then take it away. I think that's kind of what our zone is too in, in a lot of ways is if you do something, we just try to take it away. So I think it's a constant game. And that, for at least for me, that kept my focus always, always going. Uh, Kennedy, from your perspective, uh, actually, Buzz, before I get to Kennedy, Buzz, uh, one of the things I thought you did, interestingly enough, I almost felt like you were you were toying with teams offensively. Against Marietta, I don't think you took your first shot until five minutes left in the first half. There were so many times I'd see you drive, and you almost had a wry smile on your face because you had no intention of, of, of scoring. You had all the intention of dragging everybody with you and then dumping it to somebody else. And then against Marietta, there were times that they were setting up a double team, and you'd literally take a half a step and go, over here, and then take another half step and go, no, over here. Like you were playing with them. What You, you seem to be more in control than they were. Is that accurate, or am I just imagining and making it more than it is? Ah. <sighs> <laughs> you can admit it. Your season and career here is over. Nobody's coming after you anymore. Yeah. No, I mean, I definitely think like, you know, you're, we're numbers people here. Um, we don't shoot a lot of free throws. So no. when I, when I drive in the lane, it's not really seeking a lot of contact or seeking a, a crazy shot. A lot of times it's just trying to pull gravity. Um, and that's what we talk about. It's like, if it's not a hundred percent layup, 
let's move the thing and, and get an open shot or, or make them work again and again. Um, so we're seeking 100% layups. And I think that's essentially what you're seeing and what you're describing is I'm kind of, you know, just probing, probing, uh, you know, getting shooting fours out in ball screen, I think is really hard to guard. Um, so. Makes sense. Toying, yes. <laughs> I get it. Toying a little bit, but in it for a different reasons than what it seems. Kennedy, yeah. you, you had what? Nine seniors on that team. I think it was. Me, sorry. Yeah, you're, you're nine seniors on that team. We, we have six this year, but we had nine last year. Okay, that's what I'm confusing. Yeah. Um. What? What? It is. It is hard. A to have everybody on the floor. Obviously. B. Mm-hmm. It's hard to stand out when you're all trying to be a team. What's that dynamic like as a group, as your core seniors, mm-hmm. to try and play together with the common goal? When you've been around so much, not everybody's going to get the ball. Yeah, I think, um, like you said, we all came in this year with that common goal, knowing that we were going to have the opportunity to be in a national tournament again, and everybody's sights were were focused on that. Um, We're definitely like a game-by-game team, but I think at the end of the day, we were super excited about March because we hadn't had the opportunity to play in in a tournament for so long. But I also think... The, the team, this team this year was so unselfish. Um, nobody cared who had the ball in their hands at the end of the game or if they were on the bench or on the court. Everybody just wanted to win at the end of the day. And so it didn't matter who scored or got the most rebounds or got the spotlight at the end of the day. Um, and I think that was something really, really cool about this team this year is that we, everybody collectively through the whole team was just so unselfish. You both were at home when the twenty nine or twenty twenty season got pulled uh, from being played. Uh, Kennedy, if I remember, you guys were in the locker room because I think Brian told. I remember Brian came down to talk to you guys in the locker room. Hey, Buzz, I don't remember where you all might have been. Kenny, I'll start with you. Getting this championship after that experience in twenty twenty, what does it mean? So much. I don't even think I can adequately describe how much it means to us. Um, that was a really hard moment. I mean, for our seniors that had to just abruptly end for all of us that were, had really high hopes for the postseason. Um, that was hard. Um, but I think now to be done and be able to say that we're national champions just means the world's world to us. Yeah. I can understand that buzz. Same question to you. What, what's it mean considering what happened in 2020? Yeah, I would say similar, similar answer. As uh, Kennedy said, I mean, I know in Fort Wayne, they had like the Atlanta banner up. And yeah, almost, right. That was almost uh, brought back some memories and even how special that year was going to be, um, being able to do it with the Division One, Division Two, and, and I know we had talked about that some. And um, so it almost feels like it's a, a three-year worthy championship winning it this year. So um yeah, like she said, it was just it means it means the world to our group, to our seniors, to our school, uh, to be to be national champs. Uh, you're both also players of the year um, for D3Hoops.com, Kennedy. You also received it from the WBCA. Buzz, we don't know what the NABC was thinking, giving it to Ryan Terrell. I'm just saying that because you're on the air. Um, but Kennedy at least got both. Uh, I'll start with you, Buzz. What does it mean? You, you guys, obviously a core group of four seniors, but obviously as a team as well. But what does it mean to be to be honored as 
considered the best player in in the sport this season, period. Mm. Man, I'm very humbled. Um very humbled and and blessed. Obviously as a point guard, it uh, a lot of my a lot of my um success or assists comes from from guys making shots, comes from guys trusting me to to make a play. And I think it was really cool to see this year and this development. Um, you know, because I think basketball can be flooded with scoring a lot. And um, my scoring was about the same as, as junior, but uh, assist numbers went up a ton. And, and I think it was a credit to this group. It was learning how to play with this group. It was sometimes in the fall choosing to go get lunch with a guy or, or just go hang out with a guy um, over doing like an individual skill workout. And I think that was something really cool to see as a leader and then just as a an older 23-year-old guy um, to see how the team came to fruition uh, through the tournament, through March. And then also to be, you know, recognized and for other people to see that uh, because I do believe that's part of my value as a player and it's not just always the scoring piece. So it meant a lot. Again, I was, I was humbled, had great mentors at Macon, and so uh, very thankful to receive it. Uh, 12 points, 11 assists in the second half, or in the uh, semifinal, I should say, uh, is uh, an example of what you're talking about there. Of, of uh, It's about everybody else. Uh, Kennedy, from your perspective, what's it like to stand out? You're, you're an even bigger group, six seniors, as we talked about, who decided to come back and do this, and you get honored as being the best of all players in Division Three this year. What does that mean to you? Yeah, I'm also very humbled. Um I, I truly don't think that I would be the player or person that I am without our coaching staff that's worked with us day in and day out, um, both in practices, but also in individual skill workouts during the season and just meeting for coffee, meeting for lunch. Um, they have instilled a lot of things in me. I've learned a lot. I've grown a lot in my time here. And so I owe a lot of that to them. And I also think I, I don't get this award without my teammates. Um, they push me every single day to be better. Um, and they're, they're truly some of my very best friends. And so I, I don't think that I would be anywhere close to getting this award without my team. Um, so I wanted to give them a shout out as well. I'm, I'm so honored, but, um, credit goes to them and to my coaches. Um, I, I got two more questions at least, Buzz. I know this is going later than I, I th- said it would. I apologize for that. Uh, losing track of time quickly chatting with you guys. But uh, you're both Justin's finalists as well. And that obviously doesn't mean just what you do on the court. It means what you do in the classroom and what you do in the community as well. We'll find out what the Justin's um, results are later this week. But, Kennedy, from your perspective, what does it mean not only to be recognized just as a finalist for what you do on the floor, but what you are as a person, essentially? Yeah, that also means a lot to me. Um, I I was actually talking to Mo about it recently, and he he just was saying like it's really cool because it it it's a lot weightier than just basketball, um, and and that's crazy to think about. But I again like I I feel like I can't take any of the credit. <laughs> I like my family has has been a huge part of my life and um, in shaping me and who I am and. Um, what I want to do in the future. And so I want to give them credit. Um, I, again, I'm so honored, but I feel like credit goes to other people for just coming alongside of me and mentoring me and, um, you know, helping me grow into the person that I am today. Buzz. 
<laughs> yeah, I think she uh, she hit the nail on the head with just um, the family piece and and how um, it is bigger than basketball. I think that's probably the the biggest thing I learned from college to high school. I know like recruits will often come on your on visits and they'll be like, "Hey, what's the biggest difference in, in high school and college?" and you can say the speed of the game and, and different things like that, but one of it is just the the people side. I mean, you're living you're living with these people. You are they're seeing your your worst moments, um, and so having a having a a servant mindset, having a servant approach to life has been something we preach and and something that I try to do. And I think um, this jo- this Jocelyn's Trophy is is really cool that it encompasses everything. I know I spent a lot of days, Megan Silva uh, has her picture and, and everything in, in Crenshaw. So a lot of nights working out and seeing that and, and dreaming of that. So that is a, that's been a really cool uh, kind of thing to, to think about here. Whether you win the Jostens or not, Buzz, I have a feeling your picture's going up on Crenshaw's wall as well. Just, just a gut feeling. Um, Quickly, what's next? Buzz, start with you. I, I tried to talk you into a coaching job at Randolph-Macon with uh, Coach just before the segment started. Uh, he's obviously trying to keep you off the staff a little bit longer, says you might be playing. What is? What are your hopes and dreams? Yeah, my um, my dream is I love basketball, and I'm, I'm a lifer. I want to coach. I want to coach college. Uh, we talked about this last time. My parents are coaches. Um, I love how you – just have an ability to impact men. You have an ability to um, really mentor and walk with them in an everyday setting. Um, and so that is the the long-term goal. Uh, it's kind of been almost gifted with the the great career that, that uh, has happened here, the great teams that we've had. So um, kind of a gift to keep playing. So this week's been kind of uh, getting sprinkled with some calls with Coach Merkel, with some agents and, uh, starting to talk through um, some options for playing overseas. So, uh, yeah, that, that's just going to be a ton of fun. My wife and I are, are talking a lot about it and just really excited to see an adventure to just be like a global a global citizen, you know, just travel the world, be more than just the East Coast and USA basketball. Um, we went to Costa Rica this year with Randolph-Macon, and, and so just seeing the game and seeing how, um, you can develop a friendship like that just because you can put a ball in a basket is something really special. So I want to pursue that for a little bit. I don't know how, how long it'll, how long it'll go, but, uh, that is, that is the plan right now. Very cool. Kennedy, what about yourself? Yeah. Um, so I am getting married this summer and then we are both moving to Waco, Texas, so I can, um, pursue a master's of social work at Baylor. Wow. Um, so that is my plan for the next year. And I don't have many plans farther than that. Um, but very excited to, I mean, I've loved West Michigan and the Hope community, but to kind of go experience something new and something different, um, and keep learning, keep growing. So no, no plans to continue playing though. Not right now. (laughs) No, it's fine. Nope. Nope. What's, what's the saying? Uh, go professional on something other than sport. I get it. Um, <laughs> most of us do. 
So congratulations, by the way, on, on getting married this summer. Um, that's mm-hmm. awesome. Waco is different. It's going to be, it's going to be a little different than Western Michigan. Yeah. Just, just a heads up. <laughs> hey, I, again, plenty of time. I appreciate it all. Uh, thanks so much for giving us insight. Congratulations on, on the national championships, on the individual honors, et cetera. As always, we give the co- uh, the coach, the guest, the final word in Buzz's case, it might be coach. Um, <laughs> we always give the final word to all of you. Uh, Kennedy, start us off. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in? Uh, I just really appreciate you having me on again, um, and I've really enjoyed it. So thank you. Well, thank you. Uh, you make it easy. Uh, Buzz, yourself, sir, final thoughts. Yeah, again, just uh, appreciate what you do. It was, it was a pleasure meeting you in Indiana, and um, I'll probably leave it with this. Our One of our mottos going into the end of this year was that winning a national championship is not going to be the best thing that happens to us this year. Um, there's more There's more to sports. There's more to people, and and just encouraging, uh, encouraging people to keep finding fulfillment in, in uh, every every day and, and little wins every day. Well said, Buzz. Well said indeed. By the way, remember, walnut and bronze, it's the trophy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, inside joke with Buzz. Hey, you two both, congratulations on your careers, on your uh, college experiences, and your championships and individual honors. Really appreciate the time. Good luck in the future. Stay in touch. We'd love to know what you're up to, and we'll look forward to seeing what you're doing down the road. Thank you so much. Take care, you you guys. Buzz and Kennedy joining us here on the Blue Frame Technology Hoops for Hotline. Fun to chat with them. Buzz is going to be appearing on, I I never say this show right, Uh, the Max Fanatics uh, YouTube show. He'll be showing up on there in uh, in about an hour's time uh, after our show is off the air, so check that out. we got to take a quick break because... Brian Morehouse is waiting for us patiently, and we're behind schedule, so we'll get to him. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com for the NABC Studios. Back with more after this. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. Coach of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All-America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present, honor the past, look to the future. It's on us, it's on all of us, and it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us, it's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. For the love of the game, 
But for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. As we roll along, if you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville, email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com, or dave.mcqueue at d3sports.com. I meant to fix that on the graphic. We'll fix it here shortly. Um, you can also join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where my Aunt BJ says, it has been a great season, love watching, and we'll miss your show. Well, thank you, Aunt BJ. Don't forget, the podcast will be during the off season. We'll get them out once a month, we hope, if not more often, if necessary. Uh, you can also join us on YouTube, youtube.com slash Hoopsville, where there are a handful of you are tuned in. We appreciate that uh, very much as well. Um, again, um, the champions were, were, were two programs that really – since everything fell apart in 2020, we're penciled in as being contenders for those championships. Hope and Randolph-Macon culminated seasons and, and years that that we've been watching. Uh, Matt Snyder puts, Hope and Randolph-Macon were the best teams when sh- things shut down in 2020. They were the best teams during the partial season. And they are the best uh, teams this season. We could be talking about two of the greatest dynasties in D3 hoops if we'd had full tournaments. We got that question at the end of the men's side. Where does this Randolph-Macon team compare to some? And I think we'll talk about that in the future for sure on a podcast. But in the meantime, I wonder where the, where the women's program stacks up there. Well, Brian Morehouse is on the show, and I'm sure he's got an opinion on it. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoops Hotline. And following his uh, his senior leader uh, in uh Kennedy Schoonfeld. It is Brian Morehouse. Sir, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks, Dave. Uh, boy, the future is bright with those two in leadership positions, isn't it? Kennedy and Buzz. I mean, <laughs> yeah. unbelievable. And, uh, you know, a lot of people talk about being great basketball players. Um, those two are going to be great spouses, great leaders in the community, um, and really great at whatever they put their minds to. So well done by the two of them. And two worthy, worthy uh, recipients of the, your uh, National Player of the Year Award. Yeah, I agree, and certainly worthy of the Justin's finalists as well, though I have no idea where <laughs> where that's going to be. That finalist list was a who's who. I, I will say I'm not a super religious man, but those two certainly speak well to their religions as well. Um, congratulations on the national championship. I know when we talked to you, and I meant to pull this audio too, and I didn't. Uh, we'll try and dig it up, but when I talked to you, just over two years ago on this show, when everything got shut down, it stung because I think you knew you had something special in 2020. Are you amazed you're able to hold on to it until 2022? Um, no, I'm not because uh, this group is significantly better now than they were in 2020. Um, the amount of work that they put in each subsequent season. Um, you know, Kenny Schoonville was a great player in 2020. She's greater now. And uh, I think the beautiful thing is that um, this is a program where work ethic, skill development, um, conditioning, and just playing for the people to your right and your left really, really matters. And I think that as good as we were in 2020, uh, we were probably even better this year. Um, I think there's a real opportunity that we could have run off three in a row but we'll never know. So we're going to be really, really excited about 
validating what we could do with what we did have this year. No, it's very possible, but as you said, uh, we'll never know. You also were on the on the doorstep of of an undefeated season. So was Randolph Macon. They lost by one point in overtime to Christopher Newport. You guys had that whole win streak come to a crashing halt and, and lost the season thanks to trying. You and I didn't get a chance to talk about that on air because we had already talked earlier in the season, I think. But right. what's it? What's it like to not only avenge that, but to come that close to perfection? Does that does that gnaw at you, or does it just add to the fun? Um, adds to the fun, honestly. I mean, um, and who knows? I mean, a lot of people who are outside of our basketball program would say, oh, it's the best thing that could have ever happen to you. I never think a loss is a good thing. But um, we learned a lot from it. Sure. And maybe – because it came in the form of a loss instead of a close victory. Um, maybe we learn more possibly. Um, you know, I think it's a little bit like cooking a brisket, right? Like you, you want it to be, um, it's tricky. It's unacceptable to have it be like dry and tough and everything, but stranger things have happened, you know I mean? And you want it to be perfect and you learn a lot from sometimes your mistakes. So, you know, when that happens, you gotta, you just gotta learn from it. And I think we learned some really valuable lessons on just some individual skill development that we want to work on the next day. And we were much, much better as the season went along at some very specific things. Oh, yeah. You you annihilated teams pretty much the rest of the way. Um, your next closest game was, in, of course, trying exactly a month later. You beat them 54-50 in the conference championship. And then your next closest game was trying – uh, in the semifinals, 57-52, getting a sense of a similar scoring with you two programs. If it's not in the 50s, it's not a Hope Trine game. But you guys had a pretty big lead going into that fourth quarter against Trine, big considering the circumstances of a low-scoring affair. I'm not surprised they came back, but they tied it. Were, were you losing some fingernails? Nope. <laughs> um you know, I just trust this team. My wife is like, you know, she's been with me to three final fours now. And, um, you know, one of the things that she said to me is like, you're just, it's so different this year. And in 06, I didn't know any better. And I had walking pneumonia and I was near death and, you know, we're just playing. And I, I, it was just, it was like an outer body experience. My first time. I mean, the next time we're in 2010, it's stressful. Um, I'm, you know, we're playing and I think we got to win because we're playing against what I think is the greatest coach of all time at division three, Nancy Fahey, trying to validate, you know, probably some of my own coaching, um, by beating her. And, um, that's just the wrong way to go about it. And, you know, this year it was just completely different. You know, I walked in and, and I said, we're prepared. We're really good. If we get beat, it's because we had a bad quarter and we didn't play well. Uh, it's not because we're not good enough or we're not prepared. And I think when you have that, like there's a certain level of confidence, but also calmness that you can bring to it. And, you know, somebody said, I looked over and like they tied it and you didn't even flinch. Like you didn't, you're like, oh, oh, okay, here we go. We got to, let's figure this out. Um, I think I got the best players. And well. so, when you got the best players, you got to put them in space to do things that are really good. And, um, you know, I, I just, 
you know, it's funny because people are like, oh, man, what did you guys, what, what were you thinking in the second half? I'm like, I, I looked at my coaching staff and I go, so you're telling me that we're not going to run any set place right now. And we're going to go like almost like NBA open gym, like, and just say, our players are good. Put them in space, let them make basketball decisions and trust them. <laughs> and Kyle looks at me and he goes, uh-huh, uh-huh. That's what we're going to do. That's what we got to do. And I was like, that goes against a lot of what I believe in as a coach, you know, cause I, you want to be in control. Yeah. And, um, and I just said, all right, let's roll with it. And then we get in that dang whitewater game, you know, and, and I, and I don't think we, I think white, I think it was a good first half. I yeah. don't think that we played our best. I don't think we started to compete and rebound until the last three minutes of the first half. Um, and then we got into the second half and I looked at Kyle and Cust and I go, open gym again and they're like yep just keep your mouth shut and let them play and i was like okay here we go um is kyle by the way I still in the, uh, employed by you huh is kyle still employed yeah well i did make a comment to him at one point when he recommended a sub i said that's the stupidest damn thing i've heard in a long time and you'll be lucky if you're employed on monday um <laughs> No, that's the kind of relationship that we have in our basketball program with our coaching staff. But he he made a couple wing dingers of uh, recommendations, and you know it's kind of like it's kind of like risky business. You know, it's kind of like you know it's kind of like you're in you're in Oz, in the Ozarks in that in that uh, in that show, and you're like. Yeah, don't don't go there with me. That's the dumbest thing I ever heard. Just reach into your Yeti and, you know, pull out a beverage and shut up because don't be making stuff up in the national semifinal. <laughs> Why not? I mean, can't think of a better time or place, right? Oh, man. <laughs> By the way, we should put dog. It's Kyle Lurvey, one of your assistant coaches. You also have Kali Carlson, which I always get a kick at watching on the sideline because he's so yeah. animated. Um, yeah. you have Austin Randall as well in there. You've got your, uh, your dad, Dean, and you got your daughter, Courtney. Yeah. No, Courtney is my assistant, but Megan is my daughter. Right. But Sorry. Got it Courtney, backwards. Right. It, Courtney's the assistant. Courtney, yeah. Can't like, read my own notes. Yeah. Uh, but bit of a family I mean, we affair, all know, but we all know, like, okay, so this is the key thing, right? This is what everybody in America needs to know. Like we all think that we are in charge. <laughs> Right. But what we all know is that Courtney is running the show. And I guarantee you that if you asked anyone on my staff, like who's really running this thing, they will look at Cust and they will say, Courtney Cust is running the show right now. And they are not wrong. Um, you know, she, it's funny because we had like the biggest, one of the biggest timeouts of the year. Um, and we had to dial up something on a, on a baseline. And everybody's like, you know, why weren't you talking to your team? I'm like, because I got Courtney Cust and she runs all of our baselines and all of our sidelines. I just hand her the clipboard and I'm like, I trust you, you know, get us into something good. And that's, I think, the the beauty of our coaching staff is that Cully's our defensive coordinator. Um, you know, Courtney runs our baselines and sidelines, what we call our special teams. Um, and then we kind of coordinate it with, you know, Kyle 
uh, Courtney and myself on like some the offensive coordinators. So well, clearly, you know, Kyle me, just says run open court. I don't think he's coordinating much. Yeah, you know, Kyle doesn't. You know, Kyle. You know, Kyle's an Alabama guy. Okay, <laughs> like he he coached with Nate Oates, right? The guy that's at Alabama right now. Yeah, and he coached with him in high school. And um, so you know, Kyle just thinks that everything is about putting kids in space <laughs> and doing skill development. And running like your spread offense and just having guys like dunk on people. And I told him, I said, Kyle, we miss far too many layups to consider that dunking. On <laughs> I said, we, we, we got to get to the free throw line, brother. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, it's, but it's a great staff. We have like, we laugh. Um, we rip on each other constantly. You know, we have Sunday dinners at my house. And, you know, like people say, you know, what are you doing? How long are you going to be doing this? Like, it's fun. Like I coach with my friends. I mean, I, I coach with my friends and um, you know, the great thing is that Cully and I are the old dudes. Yep. We're the crotchety old guys. We're ornery. <laughs> we're cranky. You know, it's never good enough. It's like, get your butt on the helpline. We're yelling at kids to take charges, you know? And Kyle's like, I don't know, man, 50, 50 call right now. That's just a wasted foul. Just let them get a bucket. Let's go down and score at the other end. And then Cully about blows his mind at Kyle and they start talking data and analytics and points for possessions. And Kyle's like, we need to shoot more threes. And Cully's like, we need to shoot more layups. And, uh, you know, it's just the, the, the conversations on our benches and in our coaches meetings are, they, they are like Ted Lasso, like, Oh, that's awesome. As fun. Just a reminder, you hired them all. Yeah. And I can fire them all. Yeah. And I remind them of that frequently. <laughs> they don't and then seem they come, phased. they come right back to me and they say, A, we don't get paid enough. And B, like, you're not going to do any better than us. Like, they, they, <laughs> they will just tell us, like, what are your other options? And I shrug my shoulders and say, all right, I'll see you Monday. <laughs> By the way, Courtney's technically your boss, isn't she? Yes, very much so. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she's, she's the, the assistant she, athletic director for events. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, she's, she, yeah, she. She doesn't remind me of that, but Cully does a lot. <laughs> he said, "He said you cannot say that to her." And I said, "I didn't say anything." And he said, "You said enough that she can fire you on Monday if she wants to." <laughs> and I'm like, "Damn, you're right." I, I quickly apologize to Courtney, and we move on. And I tell her that you know she is the coach in waiting at Hope College, and she just you know needs for me to wait to wait for my run to end and she will step in and do much better than I do. Speaking of runs and, and where the future may be, what, what, what was this run like? Unbelievable, man. Like three years in the making, you know, like yeah. we, we just get waxed by Wartburg in the tournament that year before. Um, and, you know, Kennedy tells me that she still like wakes up some nights and thinks about, like that loss. And we were, they were really good. We were really bad and we needed to tweak some things, not redo some things. Our program wasn't broken, but we just needed to get back to be intentional about certain things. Um, and then we just, I mean, you look at it, we went on one of the more incredible three-year runs ever. Um, who knows what the first two years would have ended in, but all I know is like, Every time something was teed up, we hit it out of the park. And um, for three years, um, you know, 
<laughs> I was joking with Cuss today, and I said, you know, we we made up a play in the trying game. We made it up at halftime. We gave it a name, and we ran it three times in a row to start the second half and got off to a great start. Um, it is a very unusual team that you have to have incredible veterans on the team for them to look at you and go, uh-huh, got it, got it. Because young kids, they're caught up in the moment. They don't, they don't get it. Like they're like, Oh wait, well, where do I have to go? What do I have to do? And I'm like, no, we're running lightning. Uh, and you know, we're going to try this and you know, and then we're going to add thunder to it um, later on. And they're like, Hey, okay, we got that. We got that. And like the number of things that we made up, like we put in, we stole like two American sets <laughs> coming off of coming off the Sweet Sixteen. We call, we called one of them Big Blue for Olivia Lett. Um, wow! And we scored on it like two times, um, and so we scored on we scored on four out of baseline out of bounds plays on things that we changed against trying, and we scored on four new sets. Now that's the game. Does does that mean you have to get a replica trophy and send it to Olivia? I've already called her. I told her, you know, that she's the goat. That I am just going to call her up for all my special teams and all my set play needs. Um, <laughs> Olivia is really good. Yeah, like that woman is, and Milliken is very fortunate to have her. I agree. Um, I mean, and if she wants to coach at the D two or the D one level. Um, People are crazy not to call her because she is an absolute star in hey, our profession. I'm selfish. Keep him here in D3, okay? I know. I'm Me too. But I'm just saying, I mean, it's worked out pretty well for Oregon State to hire a D3 guy. Oh, yeah. And Richmond's doing okay. Richmond's doing all right. There's, um, there's... Bucknell had a really good year. Yep. I'm just saying. like. Uh, there's some people out there doing good work. Yeah, Bucknell men, rough year, but Nate's doing well. By the way, South Carolina just hired a guy who played at Worcester on the men's side um, and and had, had a cup of coffee somewhere else. I can't remember. Where, oh, he played under Bo Ryan. Um, no, there's a lot of good guys out there, and, and we could Brad Stevens, I think we'll be talking about Buzz Anthony at some point in the future as well. Um, I, I mean, I could talk to you forever. I love seeing you in, in such a great mood. This is so much fun, but uh, I don't want to keep you all night. I'm pretty sure the rest of your family wants you back. You did mention Courtney's the coach and waiting. How much more you got? You know, I'll know when I know. Um, somebody asked Matt the other day, and uh, I said, you know, the day I wake up and I don't look forward to going to the office is the day I'll just walk in and be done. Um, you know, Monday, um, I took my daughter to the airport at 4 a.m. and uh, came home and looked around. And I was like, well, the dog made it okay for four days without me. He'll be okay the rest of the day. And I went into the office and um, I love what I do. I love working at Hope. Um, I love coaching. Um, I love uh, what I, I what I hope is an impact on 18 to 22 year olds. Um, you know, I'm 53, but, uh, like I feel young, I feel young because I, I go to work with these people, you know, whether it's the chaos crew or, um, you know, the other kids on our team and like they're dancing and they're making me dance and they're making me promise to do stuff. If we get to the final four that I 
shouldn't agree to. Are you getting a um, tattoo? No. <laughs> you know, there's. I've made two bad statements in my life. One was in 2005 at a volleyball tournament with Julie Henderson was my senior point guard. And, and she said, Mo, we're going to the final four this year. And I said, uh, we haven't been since 90. I said, we got a ways to go. And she goes, we're going. And she goes, what do you want to bet? And I go, I don't know, whatever. And she goes, we get there. You owe me a tattoo. And I was like, deal. I'll be danged if we don't win that doggone game against you DePaul. Won the title, and we sir. We walk into that locker room, and Henderson has the whole squad. No, we're they're not happy that we won. They're happy that they can say tattoo, tattoo, tattoo. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking about? And they're like, you remember in November when you promised at that volleyball tournament? And I go, I don't remember that. And they were like, oh, we do. We yeah. Do. And I was like, dang it, I did say that. And I shared that story with our kids last year at the end of the season. Oh no. Um, and I, and I just, you know, and, and whatever. And they're like, would you do that? And I'm like, you get back to a final four after all that we've been through the last couple of years. I'm in. So it's all about the tattoo is what you're saying. Cause in 2010, you must not have made that promise. Didn't get the title. Nope. No, we didn't make that promise for the 2010 year. Um, you know, the interesting thing about that year is we were really young, if you'll remember. Um, we were we were we were yeah. not as a veteran as what people thought. Um, and we had Snickers, and she was super young. Cust was a freshman. Um, and you know, one thing that that 2010 year taught me is that like, there's no promises. You know, we got there were some very interesting things that happened in the next couple of years, like being sent to. Texas when you're undefeated um, and, you know, a couple other things that happened. And, you know, one thing I, I, maybe one of the reasons I enjoyed this year at the final four so much is um, I just more grateful for it. I mean, you you just don't know if or when you're going to get back. And um, you know, that 2010 year, I thought we'd be back in 11 or 12, 13. I mean, we were really good. And got knocked out by George Fox and Howard Payne and, you know, some other stuff like that. But uh, I just was walked in. I got on that bus and went to Pittsburgh. And I'm like, I'm not just happy to be here. I want to win. But I am happy to be here. I'm grateful to be here and appreciative. And uh, I think that that put me at a certain level of calm during that, um, which was which – was, uh, I think it helped me be a better coach. I can understand that. Back to the more important thing here, though. 2006, what tattoo did you end up getting? It was the first year of the DeVos Fieldhouse, and I was one of the big people that pushed for a change in our marketing to go away from the big block H, which I said could be Harvard, Hobart, you name it, and to go with the anchor um, at center court. and. Um, I was a big, big advocate for that. And so I got an anchor. All right. What are you getting this time? This. Ooh, cool. Very nice. It was, uh, it, it, it's sort of been the theme of our team, uh, for the last three years. It was, uh, it sort of was started up by Casey to our point guard. 
and her roommate, um, Hannah Smith. And it just, it, it's a lot more than this, but it's basically like you can be a friend and you can be a teammate, but until it's this, it's never going to be anything. And, um, that's a, that's a really, really short version of it. And like, you'll see, you'll see our kids, like we win the national championship uh, and instead of doing this, like they're doing this. And I just, I, I think it'll be forever a bond that, um, that will be, uh, that will bond this team together, but also be a big statement for like what our program is all about. Um, you can have really good players. There's super talented teams in the United States every year. Um, but I think that every team that wins it says that there's something that is different than talent that gets them over the top. And to me, um, like that's what it was, you know, like you, you asked me like, Oh my gosh, you had an 18 point lead. It went down to zero, you know, like, were you panicked? Like, what were you calling? What were you doing? You know what I, I did? I walked into the timeout that we had and I just looked at them and I'm like, this is why we're winning right here. Let's go. And we ran space, which is really not even a play. Um, it's a fake play. It's a, it's open gym. And we scored on it. Say, it's really Kyle saying we're playing open gym. That was what right. it was. And uh, and then, you know, Bosco made the biggest bucket of her life Yeah. Um, on the next possession. Um, and then we defended like Hope College defense. No, Vas- Vasco's shot was out- out- outstanding. Um, by the way, so you've got two, uh, three Final Four trips and two titles. We should point out there's a connection to the other title, even though you weren't there. Yes. My wife was in the women's basketball program at the time. It's pretty cool. So, so anybody that thinks it's me, it's not. <laughs> I was going to say, wife. this means she technically has more rings than you do. Yes, that, that is that is very true. Um, <laughs> that That is very, very true. Yeah, um, very yeah. cool. Hey, sir, I'd, I'd love to chat more, but I'll let you go. But thanks so much for the time. I uh, really appreciate it. I'll, I'll ask you this before we give you the final word. How much emotion was coming out of you at the end? Because I saw the camera shot while everybody was celebrating and, and you just had a look like just everything leaving you all in that one moment as you're wiping your hands across your face. How, how much was leaving you? That was everything. I mean, the it, I, I won't say it's a burden that left me, but like the opportunity and the pressure over the last three years um, – was unbelievably hard and and a good heart i'm not sitting here complaining about i had to bear the burden of having a really good team i'm not saying that but to walk into this season and i mean honestly let's let's be honest about like let's be real like if we don't if we don't get to a final four this year people are like "Eh, eh," you know what was it the last two years you know, and then you get there and if we don't win it, I think people are like, eh, you know, I, I just think that the that the opportunity slash burden that we carried with us since the season got canceled in the Sweet 16 a couple years ago, um, that's what came gushing out of me at that moment. Sure. And I was just so dang happy for these kids who had carried that with them. And we had faced it head on and we had talked about the pressure from outside um, and we had faced it head on. And I just think that's what life is all about, right? It's about 
whether it's in your it's in your marriage, whether it's at work, whether I mean, life is hard. It's not easy. Like people need to quit telling young people that, you know, if you work hard, good things are going to happen. No, life is hard. And the sooner that they realize that, and it's like about bucking up and like facing challenges head on and saying, I'm going to, I'm going to defeat this. I'm going to find a way I'm going to make this happen instead of taking the easy way out and making excuses. Like that's what this team did is they didn't want to have to have an excuse at the end. Like they just said, we're going to find a way and we're going to, we're going to do it together. Well, congratulations, sir. I know it was a long time in com- coming, but certainly amazing to watch and uh, enjoyed every moment of it uh, from afar. As always, we give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who tuned in? You know, this, um, your platform and, and this broadcast and, and D3 Hoops, um, we may not always get everything that we need from the NCAA. We may not get everything that we need from even our conferences and things like that. But the one thing that is always a constant is, is D3 hoops. And I've been in this thing long enough to know that um, I am incredibly grateful for what you and your crew does to make D3 hoops public. I think it's always relevant, but I think, you give us a public platform uh, to to show what we're all about, to tell the buzz story, uh, to tell the Kennedy story um, is just incredible. And um, so I know you had T-shirts for sale, right? You got those T-shirts for sale. Um, and I and I didn't order one because I didn't want to jinx myself because I'm that superstitious. <laughs> but I will, if there are still T-shirts available, oh, yeah. I will be ordering some and supporting d3 hoops because um i am i am forever grateful for you helping to make our sport relevant the women's side relevant you know a year ago d d1 blows up d1 blows up because of the inequities never been inequitable on d3hoops.com never it's always been equal giving the women the same opportunity as the men and i will never forget that because you guys do it the right way. Thanks, Brian. Means a lot. Shirts are definitely available. Buy as many as you would like. There's lots of options. I have a feeling you have an eye on one. I do. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was there for individuals like you, sir. Uh, you enjoy that. You let me send me a pic. I want to see what it looks like. I will do that. And, I will uh, do that. Take Thanks, care. Dave. Enjoy the off season. I'll lo- I know we'll catch up and we'll talk down the road. But uh, take care of yourself. I look forward to talking to you. Sounds good, Dave. Thanks for all you do. Thanks, bud. Take care. Brian Morehouse joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoops Hotline. There are the shirts he's talking about. Not the design I think he's talking about in particular, but those are the generic designs. You can check them out online. We'll talk about that in a bit. We're going to come back with Brian, or Brian, geez, Ryan Scott and Pat Coleman as we recap the championship weekends coming up. You're listening to Hoops presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC Studios. More after this. These are your teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer at every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive. You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. 
If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. I used to never really talk, ever.、Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships, and we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin, nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance; it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly. It's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. As we、uh, roll into what is our final segment of the regular season, we will be. To podcasts after this during the summer, knock on wood. I'll be talking with the guys about one idea that Ryan brought up. We don't need to necessarily bring that up now, but I can tell you we're got some ideas.、Um, and、uh, who knows? It may not even be me hosting the whole time. I've got lots of ideas. People tell you I, I got either ideas for other shows that I'd like to do.、Uh, so we'll see how the summer goes, but we'll figure on average one a month until the next season, the twenty two twenty three season rolls along. If you got questions for us here at the end, Pat Coleman and Ryan Scott will join me in a moment. You can email us. I'm just giving my regular email address because I think the Hoopsville one is buggy again. So Dave McHugh at d3sports.com. You can also、uh, tweet us at d3hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can also join us on Facebook, facebook.com/hoopsville. We're live、uh, simulcasting the show. Also youtube.com/hoopsville.、Uh, Julie says, "Great job, Mo. It's been fun watching your amazing career." And Greg Chandler also. This is that is this is awesome, Mo. Uh, great comments on our last segment with Brian Morehouse, which was fun to say the least. Speaking of fun, let's just get right to it. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline to talk about the basketball season or tournaments, really that were.、I、have a feeling we'll recap the seasons on a future podcast as we've had time to simmer on it. Pat Coleman, Ryan Scott, joining me.、Uh, Pat with a nice, nice D three logo. Pat showing off the、uh, skill set of the Zoom. Uh, Ryan joining us、um, as well, guys. Thanks for taking the time. Appreciate it. We should just point out, Gordon was hoping to join us, just unable to tonight, which kind of gets me to my point that a future podcast may be where we kind of recap the season after we've all let it simmer a tad bit.、Um, 
Uh, Pat, we'll start with you because you did get a chance to go out to the semifinals in Pittsburgh before coming to the championship, thanks to the scheduling the way it was. Uh, your your reactions on, well, a facility we'd never been to, an event, a couple teams, the matchups, et cetera. What was your general reaction to the women's side um, of things? Well, first off, I just want to say that, you know, after two years, I finally can figure out some things in my Zoom game, right? I mean, that's not, <laughs> right. <laughs> that's not go overboard, man. All I do is slap a logo in the background and, and light <laughs> myself really heavily. Um the uh, the women's uh, semifinals that I was at on the Thursday evening, just just amazing venue. I really felt like uh, so this is on Duquesne University's campus. It's their on campus arena. It seats. I think I think I heard that it seats two thousand. I thought maybe it might be a little bit more than that, but not a ton. It's a really good size for this event. Um, seats all around. So you still get that arena feel. Uh, you've got a lower bowl. You've got you know some luxury suites. Um, as you might expect at, uh, you know, at the low D one level, that's what, you know, that's where, for those who are really unfamiliar, that's where Duquesne, uh, plays is at the low D one level. Um, I thought it was really just ideal for this event. Um, certainly not hurt by the fact that, uh, you know, crowd from hope, um, crowd from UW whitewater, some crowd from trine places really hopping during the hope trine game. Uh, Whitewater fans were, uh, you know, the ones that were there on Thursday were were loud and they were into it. And, you know, there were a couple of pretty good games, which never hurts. And, you know, I've been telling people, uh, anybody who asks basically is that uh, I would love to see that arena and that organizing group in the rotation mix as often as they want to be. You know, I think they were they were supposed to have two of the of the uh, of the four, right? They were supposed to split the other two with the um, with the Salem folks uh, at Roanoke College, and obviously, no argument that uh, those folks also know how how to put on a really fantastic uh, championship event. So, if you know, if we bounced back and forth between those two for the near future, I think it would be amazing. And of course, there were great basketball games. It was high level uh, Division three women's basketball, which is always awesome to watch. Um, that, uh, Whitewater, uh, Amherst game ended in a pretty memorable moment where, you know, coach Kerry Carollo cannot watch her freshman daughter taking the free throws that ended up clinching the game for them. And then, you know, hope, uh, has in the, in the other semifinal hope has this 18 point lead against the team that has been its, uh, most competitive conference rival over the course of the past few years. Uh, coughs up that lead and then holds on to win that game. And, you know, coach was talking, you were talking about that uh, little Voskel pull up in the lane. Uh, if she does not hit that shot, I don't know that they advance. They're back on their heels. Things were not working for them. Everything was going right for trying. And that shot kind of really stemmed and turned the tide. So uh, just a fantastic weekend. Well, I was only there for the semis, but a fantastic night of division three women's basketball. And I, I look forward to it being there again in the future. Yeah, no, well said. I, I agree with you. Um, on a good chunk of that. Um, I, by the way, I maybe would throw in ca- uh, Columbus and capital maybe. I if- mean, I, obviously I didn't attend, right, but it's at a good location. That's for sure. Um, I like the Duquesne obviously is a little bit more of a, uh, a big time gym. I don't love it being on a D three campus, but you know, as long as it's, you mean a D one campus? No, actually I don't love it being on a D three campus because oh, okay. uh, if it's just a, you know, if it's just, just a gym and I don't mean to say that about the capital center cause it's a nice gym, but it is still just a gym. 
Um, Duquesne wraps around, uh, you know, uh, Roanoke's, uh, the, the Crager Center's new, right? So it's got a little bit more elevated feel to it. I actually don't mind it not being on a D3 campus, actually. By the way, uh, just stalling a bit because I was trying to call up the Carrie Corello picture um, to show here. Uh, you guys are going to, audio is going to drop for a second here. I'm, I, I, for a picture that I'm holding it up here. Yeah, there screen, we go. Like we're, like we're on the so there, show, right? there's the pic of, of, of Coach Corolo not and, looking at the what's going on Z's uh, with her daughter's shooting. That, that was just amazing. It is amazing. So I'm sitting next to Gordon Mann. We're on the, we're on press row. Um, and he says, I don't think she's even, I don't think she's watching the shot. And I look over because I'm watching the shot. I'm not watching coach Carollo. I turn my head over there and it's like, Oh, wow. <laughs> this is the moment of the game. Um, I had already written, this is, you know, this is the journalism thing you do, right? I, I'd written about three quarters yes. of the game story already. And I'm like, Oh man, I've got to throw most of that out rewrite, you know, six to eight new paragraphs at the top, get quotes in the post game about that moment. And then I get back to my seat and I write the rest of it. And somewhere, you know, a little bit after halftime of the hope train game, I'm done with my story. I go and I look in the, you know, the D three photography folks, um, photo galleries and photos that they've sent us, uh, you know, the folks that we hire out to shoot a bunch of this stuff. And, and I, and I see that photo and the photographer is walking by basically right as I see it. And I, I, I yell Dan Hunter's name, name, I'm going to name check Dan Hunter. As a, it's just an amazing photo. And, you know, I say to him something that I cannot repeat on the air. Let's say if we're, uh, if we're being polite, Fair. Uh, it's just, a, it's just an amazing photo. I just to have that to perfectly encapsulate that moment because you know, most of the times the photographer is watching the same thing that you and I are. We're watching the free throw shooter. And I was hoping for a shot of the free throw. Frankly, I would almost never run a photo of a free throw, but it was it was an important moment. And instead I had the reaction shot. It's like I'm getting super inside baseball and I got to let Ryan talk here in a second. But um, if you remember the 1975 World Series, the shot is not supposed to be of Fisk waving the ball fair. The shot is supposed to be of the ball going out. But the the uh, the camera operator in the uh, green monster at Fenway is distracted by a rat at his feet or something like that. So he doesn't track the ball. He tracks Fisk, and that is the epic shot that everybody remembers of the 1975 World Series. I always bring it back to baseball. That's the shot that I'll remember of that so much. Yeah, I I uh, reacted in our Slack channel much about the way you couldn't react there, and I'm not going to repeat it here either because it's not allowed. But yeah, I had the same reaction when I saw that picture. Fast forward, we obviously, we'll talk about the championship in a bit. We, we move on, and we had some um, games on Friday at the men's site. And, Ryan, uh, you spent a little more time than we did there at Fort Wayne. They, they definitely missed that event. They were, they were geared up and ready to go, and uh, we, we ended up with some, some dandies of games. Even though the scores didn't indicate it, I thought they were pretty competitive and, and well fought out for the most part. Yeah. And before we move on just to watch the women's games, even, I, I think that yeah. gym being very new or renovated, I'm not sure which, but it's set up for TV, right? It's set up for the cameras that come in to do this sort of thing. And it just looks great, you know, and it, it, you, it's not something we have at most of our D3 facilities, right? That they're it's set true. up for television. Um, and I think that does make a difference for everybody who gets to watch it at home. That's but yeah, point. Fort Wayne, I mean, it was, you know, they had all the time to prepare again, leaps and bounds. I felt like better than, than the first time around. Yes. Uh, lots of holes had been plugged and they were really ready for us in a way that, that they weren't the first time just felt like the city was a lot more alive. 
Like my memories of, of three years ago were that no one was there, like just in the city, it's the true. streets were empty and stuff. And, and there was people around and it just felt a lot livelier. Um, and we got those great games. And I think partly because of the way Randolph Macon plays, you know, I think Josh Merkel said at one point, he doesn't look at the scoreboard. Um, and I think if you didn't look at the scoreboard, you wouldn't realize that they were such huge deficits in any of the games. Cause it, you know, everyone was playing competitively and it, it really came down to who was making shots and who wasn't, it wasn't about, you know, one team, visually being being that much better than the other no i agree with you uh i know during the semifinal in their game i looked down at one point i'm like ah, hey, we got a really good one here against marietta it's 20 points <laughs> like huh how'd that happen um i agree it was listen i, I don't want to dwell on it um obviously wabash had two things that that came together in one moment um that I think ended up kind of derailing their run. One, losing Jesse Hall after the first weekend resulted in not having him available to step in when Schreiber was ejected from the game. Um, that ended that ended up creating a large hole for Wabash, Wabash Pat, or as everybody else likes to say, Wabash or whatever. Um, Wabash. It, it, it became, you know, one moment ended up showing the bigger kink or the bigger uh, – hole in the armor as it were for Wabash and, and it unfortunately is how that season ends for them but they had a, an incredible season they really did yeah I think too um you know uh you know Elmer's did a good job of keeping um Jack Davidson from getting shots and Williams also in the Sweet 16 did a good job of keeping Davidson from getting shots but other guys knocked them down uh Amani Jones hit a, a, a bunch of shots Watson hit some shots. Uh, Bucilla came off the bench and hit some shots in that uh, round of 16, round of eight. And, you know, they just didn't have anybody else. Um, nothing else really went in for them either when Davidson was dishing off. Um, but, yeah, also, obviously, lack of inside presence. Um, and I know it's unanimous among this group, but I know it's not necessarily unanimous among the fan base. Um, but that that, uh, that ejection was definitely uh, justified. Yeah, there was the fan base seemed to disagree, and a few handful of in, other individuals. Otherwise, large majority of those I talked to thought that was the I mean, easiest you, call in the world. If you watch it and you're not a Wabash fan, I think it's pretty obvious. But yeah. of course, you know there were 4,900 people there that night, and the vast, 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 vast majority <laughs> of them wearing red. So you can kind of understand where the uh, uh, atmosphere and the thoughts were in the building. By the way. Mad respect to to everybody who showed up. Um, I think, and I'm saying I've been saying this on the show off the cuff because I forgot to look it up, but I believe the only D three game that has a larger attendance in the tournament, Pat, is the D one Final Four weekend in 2013. Am I right? Right. Well, I definitely think there were more people than that in the building, but the official attendance for that game is. Marked only at like thirty five hundred seventy. Oh so, yeah, there was a lot more than that in the building. That on our yeah, site, it's six thousand something, I think. Right, the Mary Hardin Baylor. This is uh, we're getting way in the weeds here, but the Mary Hardin Baylor website says like sixty seven hundred. But I went back to triple check, and it still says in the NCAA record book. Oof. I can't remember if it's thirty seven fifty or thirty five seventy. Oh, there's a lot got, more than that. Oh, but. we got screwed hard on that. There were way more yeah. people in in the arena for that. That place was that, we get that place was hopping. It was really impressive. Um, that bet, said, at well, that day, I bet five or six thousand. Yeah, yeah, forty nine hundred for the for the semifinal day sold. I, I don't think we had forty nine hundred in the building 
Um, I think we might have. I mean, obviously not all at the same time, right? Well, that's what I was kind of getting at was we certainly didn't get them all at the same time. And there was a little bit of uh, baseball attendance, I think, in that, that that they may have sold some that didn't that didn't show up. But then that happens. But I'm not trying to disparage. I'm just saying sometimes I kind of wish all those numbers were in the building at the same time. But that place was loud. And and it was fun. It wasn't it wasn't um it wasn't a negative. Sometimes we've been in loud events and it hasn't been great. This one was just just fun. I, I really enjoyed Friday. Yeah, I mean, it 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 felt like what it was. I mean, it, it was two really big games, and we had a lot of fans that showed up. We were all everyone was wondering whether whether Elmer's was. I guess their reputation maybe is they haven't always traveled for other things, but they were there, and I thought disproportionately loud in both games. You know, they they were making a lot more noise than the number of people they had you would expect. So um, that was really good, and the fans were excited to be with each other. They were excited to be there. Um, you know, I think the people who follow it all the way to the end like that really know their stuff and they know what they're doing and, and they're enjoying the weekend and we had great basketball. Um, uh, I think there were, there were loud vocal fan bases for all four teams. Yeah, right. Uh, I think, I think that second semifinal, the Wabash Elmers game, uh, you know, they announced Wabash and you get this huge roar from the crowd, right? This, and it's really a roar. And you, then you, they announced Elmers and you get this really loud cheer also, but to, to be the choir nerd for a second, it's like the, the Wabash roar is like baritone. It's this big loud thing. And the Elmhurst roar is like Sopranos. It's all of these students yeah. making all that noise, so much noise. It was a, uh, it was a lot of fun. It was, I was glad that the, uh, you know, Elmhurst fans, even though they were probably outnumbered 10 to one um, made a ton of noise and that made it a yeah. lot of fun too. By the way, uh, Ryan, you were disappointed Wabash didn't have its cheerleaders on the sideline, and you were serious about that. No, no, I knew what I was doing. I made the joke that no one laughed at several times. I couldn't all resist. Other, all three other teams brought cheerleaders, which I think is the first time since I've been going that that that, that has happened. It might be, um, maybe. Yeah. No, I was I kidding. A lot of I just to. I couldn't resist. Um, I'm more of a I'm more of a pep band guy than a cheerleader guy. Yeah. And by the way, Wabash brought their pep band, which is pretty darn cool. Obviously, not they could bring far. those. They could keep bringing that pep band back. That'd be just fun. And the pep band continued to be peppy even when they were down by a lot. Yeah, no, it's yeah, they, no, they, they kept the atmosphere going. Yep, they played it out. They they absolutely did. Randolph Macon, listen, um, they're damn good. I, I knew they were good, but it seems like they they found another level this tournament. And just absolutely manhandled some really good basketball teams, Pat. You know, it's just, you know, it's basically a dismantling, right? It's so many things that, um, you know, taking away the things that uh, that someone wants to do to you, right? Um, it, uh, the Hal Nunnally days, the, the Coach Rhodes days, and, you know, Josh Merkel now too, everybody – who comes through there is just very defense oriented. Um, and I think that's what we saw. Frankly, I'm, I'm kind of just stealing words out of Ryan's mouth because Ryan saw Randolph making earlier in the season and, and picked all these things out. But uh, that's, that's basically what it is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean that they play defense and they play tough and physical. I, I do think the championship game was, I mean, Elmer's was just missing open shots, which is, you, you kind of felt bad even during the game because they were not winning. 
but I think it would have been a little bit closer. What do they shoot like 24% or something like that? And there were a number of shots that Rody and those guys make on a very regular basis that were just not falling in that game. Um, and then of course they empty the benches at the end and Macon's bench, the end of their bench is really good. And they scored a couple of buckets there at the end to, to, to move it up um, at least three or four more points. So uh, I do think 30 is a big number and it's, it's a number that's representative of how dominant they were, but I, I'm not sure that game was quite a 30 point game in, in the end of things. Um, I forgot to ask buzz, but we were running out of time. He knew he was coming out and I remember on the call thinking to myself, well, he's going to take the last shot. Like, this is his career here. And then he passes it off. And I thought to myself, oh, there's Buzz being Buzz. He's going to give it up. And then he gets it back and buried a three-pointer in front of their bench. I mean, absolutely buried it to then get subbed out as Josh called timeout immediately. It just felt like the it was a Buzz Anthony moment in a nutshell with how he is. He gives it up and, and he ends up still getting it back and taking advantage of the moment. He was an incredible player to watch, Ryan, throughout his career. Yeah. I mean, I've been telling everybody, I said, if, you know, he's 23 years old right now, if he were six, three, instead of five, 10, he'd be in the NBA right now. I really do believe that just his ability to lead a team, to handle the ball, to see the floor, you know, like, I, I mean, he's talked about it a, a bunch, right. Being a five ten white guy, he's had to overcome a lot of stuff. And at some point, you know, size does, does come into play, right. With how good you're going to be, but he has all the tools that it takes to, to be a great leader, and, and you mentioned it when you talked to him, right? That he'll just take that ball down in the, in the, the middle of the paint with three guys standing around him and just be calm as anything, right. just waiting for the right angle to come up and the guys to move to the right spot. And um, somebody put up on, on I think it was Zach Snyder on Twitter, just said, when you play with him, he's going to control the game. And you just have to accept that and then work around it. And no one's been able to do it. <laughs> no, nearly impossible. I, I, I think that might've been uh, Greg Thomas for what it's worth. I think that, I think oh. that might've been Wally Wabash. Yeah, it might've been. Either way, I'm misattributed. Sorry. No, but that's all right. Nice to nice to have Greg there too. We have all of our around the nation guys at the same time. Yeah, we had it. We had a nice staff there, uh, to say the least. Um, But Pat, it it just you know we we, we're going to save this for a podcast. I don't want to get into the debate now, but it raises a question: How good was this Randolph Macon squad compared to the history of D three? And we'll jump into that in detail later, but. You start percolating on that and you start thinking about it. You're like, geez, we really, yeah. unfortunately, the pandemic kind of robbed us maybe from something even more special. Granted, you got to play the games. I don't want to jump out too far on that, but still amazing. Yeah, it's really as if Randolph Macon just won the 2021, 2020-21-22 national yeah. championship with an asterisk. I mean... You know, we, we talk about it a little bit with Hope, and I think Coach Morehouse mentioned it, and, you know, it's been talked about with Randolph-Macon, too, you know, that I don't – we have to remember that when we're awarding mythical national titles or whatever, you know, without the extra year from COVID eligibility, most of these teams are not together here in this year. Fair right? point. So we, can't, we can't award them all three championships, as <laughs> it were, but, you know, I, I feel like uh, with, with both Randolph-Macon and Hope, you can really think about they probably – should have either the 2020-21 or the 20, well, maybe not the 2019-20 championship, but randolph Bacon's obviously still well alive in that one too. Um, they definitely had an opportunity to win two. I just don't, I just want to caution people against automatically awarding them three because, you know, Buzz Anthony wouldn't be here this year, uh, right? Vosco and Schoonville wouldn't be here this year without the extra year of COVID eligibility. So I just, I want to put that minor asterisk on there. Sure. Yeah, 
Agreed. I mean, there was a fan who asked me right after the game, um, it was like, this the where does this stack up against the best teams ever? I was like, man, of all the things that I've thought about, that was not something I had thought about. And we definitely have to think about it outside of the North Park championships. Where does this where does this team stack up? And I think, you know, fodder for another conversation. Well, yes. got, yeah, you know, there's possibilities there. I, I think certainly when we compare it to the rest of, of the teams, right? I mean, that's what we saw in this tournament, that there was not much competition for them against the teams this year, right? If we're, if we're not just stacking up total talent or how these teams would play against each other, if you're just looking at how dominant they were in their seasons, there's, there's not a lot of teams that were able to do what this Randolph-Macon squad was able to do. Yeah, Randolph-Macon a couple points away from a perfect season. Um, I hope uh, eight points away from a perfect season and knocking on the door of breaking the, the famed record of Nancy Faye and, and Wash U. By the way, speaking of which, interesting talking about three championships in a row and what Hope could have done. Nancy Faye, of course, retired, um, and she is that coach in that fabled run of Wash U. So the timing's interesting, to say the least. Yeah, if I just go back really quickly to one one team that was was pretty dominant on its road to uh, the championship as well. I think about the 05 Stevens Point team. That's the second yeah. one. Yeah. So yeah. they, you know, they beat uh, U of R by 24 in the championship game. They beat York by 23 in the semifinals. Um, they beat Puget Sound. Uh, sorry, they beat Trinity of Texas by just six in the round of eight. That um, they beat Puget Sound by 18. Uh, in round of 16, and they crushed Lawrence by 24, and they had a first round bye. That's the the kind of uh, that's the the they made a similar mockery of that final yeah. four, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Kelso and Bennett and and that group, absolutely, yeah. And that's no. generally considered, at least in the last 25 years or so, to be the best the best really team the most, overall seemed, that we saw. So yeah. it was like the most dominant performance, right? I don't know what to think of. If we're when we have this conversation more formally, we'll have to think about how we deal with the the two separate Platteville back to backs, um, and that sort of thing. But you know, they're neither one of those, if I remember correctly, really blew teams out the way that 05 um, Stevens Point team did, and the way, of course, Randolph Macon did this past. Yeah, weeks. I, we went through the scores earlier with Merkel. Closest game was 16, 23 points on Sweet 16 Elite Eight, and then. Just annihilated teams there in the final four. And again, I think I said it right on it was Duke UNLV ties the largest championship game uh result of any division, which is right. That's also a 30-point game, but it's not a 75-45 game. It's a much higher scoring no. game. I mean, yeah. Randolph Macon outscored uh Elmhurst by 167% or something like that. My math is a little rusty. Well, I, I went back and looked, right? It was the the winning shot was was made before the first media timeout of the second half. So, you know, I mean they they had already scored more than 45 points with 16 minutes left to go in the game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's 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 pretty impressive. That's disgusting. <laughs> you could call it that, yes. Oh, by the way, uh, Matt Snyder and Matt and Zach might be the big the big Hoopsville fanatics. I'm starting to figure out. Um, they are watching far more than I realize. Zach was tweeting at us earlier. Matt has retweeted Zach's tweet from a couple days ago. When you play Randolph-Macon, 
You will not oh. control the game. Who's right? Buzz I'm Anthony sorry. will control the game, and you better figure out how to deal with that. <laughs> All right. My apologies. It's good to get fact-checked no, live. I actually, reading it again, just I love the the absolute frankness of it. Well, they, and that's what happened. Deal. I mean. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Hey, uh, yep. should I, before we let you go, I got to talk women. Um, Hope, listen, you know, Brian Morehouse talked about it, but they kind of put their foot down in the second half, really, the, I mean, even the fourth quarter against Whitewater. Uh, I made a joke earlier, well, last time Whitewater played for a championship, uh, they were at Hope. This time they were playing Hope. It still didn't work out for them. Hope was just too damn good, uh, Pat. And that Trine game was basically their biggest challenge, and they knew it. And once they were done with that, they were they were going to get done with everything else. I just really enjoyed listening to Coach Morehouse. Of course, not just say all the things that we need for our next marketing round. <laughs> right. Um, or talk about uh, laughing and ripping each other constantly in terms of their assistant coaches, which I think is basically what we do. So that's yes. cool. Um, but also just how not afraid to just steal bits and pieces from the playbooks of all the teams that they uh, right? played on the way there. That was a lot of fun. I mean, to be honest with you, I don't know, right? I mean, you never know really what goes on inside a locker room and, and things were, you know, the scoring column a little different for Hope on Saturday than it was for a lot of games this season. I mean, Shoot. I mean, I voted trying to uh, in my final ballot and I and I voted Amherst three and it looked like that was pretty much the consensus um, because trying had beaten them once out of four tries and that's more than anybody else did. Uh, and I did, you know, I did similarly in the men's bracket. I voted Christopher Newport, not two, but I voted them three right behind Marietta to um, Elmhurst four, Wabash five. Um, but uh, you know, anyway, I, I've is, trying the second best team. And then maybe it was a little easier with whitewater perhaps, but I don't feel like it's, it's not significant enough to, to make a huge difference about it. Just, they just pulled away, which is a thing that they do and have done. And, you know, will one day do again. I'm quite certain of it. Very good point. Um, the, the, just the depth of the talent they had, yeah. you know, it's, it's, that's what showed out, right. That you get to the end of the game and they just had more to give, you know, and there there's, it, it's the balance, right? That it's, you, you'd think maybe they could maybe minimize turnovers a little bit. And, you know, Brian was talking about wanting to be in more in control and call more set plays. And maybe you could be a little more dominant that way, but you wouldn't be able to play 10 or 12 and, and do that style, right? You got to leave them open to run and, and use the strengths and the depth that they have. And that's what they did effectively the whole year. I think one of the big differences for whitewater in that championship game is they just weren't able to get any points off the bench. Um, Literally yeah. just two points from their bench. And Maggie Troush had a um, had a pretty good game in the uh, semifinal. She hit a couple of uh, – she hit a three early when they really needed it. She hit a three late. Um, and she just – you know, she struggled. She played 28 minutes. She committed three fouls. She turned the ball over twice and was held scoreless. And that's that's kind of one of the big differences that I saw between those two games. Well, and even the watch – because I could, I could only see it. I wasn't there in person. After the semis, I thought that that Whitewater would have some size and be able to maybe do something inside. And then when you see them on the floor together in the championship game, you realize Hope's really big too. Like <laughs> they have all the depth, they've got the scoring, they're tall. You know, they they were they were the bigger team, they were the faster team. You know, it was, arms. I think Whitewater did an amazing job to to stick with them as long as they did. Yeah, good point. Um, and a team that 
you know, there's some nice pieces for that Whitewater team. There's still some nice pieces for that Hope team that's going to return. Same with Randolph-Macon and, and everybody else. Um, we'll, we'll have fun looking ahead when we do get that opportunity. Uh, those, what- you know, that those five through those six through ten players, and frankly, the eleven through fifteens get a ton of playing time for Hope uh, yeah. in the course of the NIAA season. So, yeah, they're not going to necessarily go away right away. Nope. Uh, but good tournament all in all. Like I said, we'll we'll do probably a little more formally on a podcast where we get to kind of sit back and look at the season uh, without the the gut shot reactions from the weekend already. But um, it was a fun season, Pat. God, I mean, I said this so many times to people just in the course of the last couple of weeks, but it was a season first off, right? I mean, just being able to have one. And I know I said that, I said this way back in November. I said it in December in Las Vegas. I'm just happy to have gotten to have a relatively normal season. Obviously, there were still a bunch of games canceled over holiday break, um, but and it doesn't doesn't affect the integrity of the season or the integrity of the championship. And that's frankly all I cared about was just getting back and doing the damn thing. Be honest with you. Um, I need this. I need this shot of adrenaline every 52 weeks for three weeks uh, out, of, out of basketball. Um, so <laughs> it was I was it was really flagging the last couple of years without it. Ah, I hear that. Ryan. Uh, I know you probably watch more games than Pat and I combined, even though we do our best to try. You always seem to outmatch yep. us by a long shot. How fun was it for you? This was a really fun year. Um, you know, that it can be a slog in the middle, trying to do and cover all the things that we do. Um, and I didn't feel that way this year, right? It was a joy to just be able to have the games and go through. Um, it felt like the end came too soon, right? And uh that's a really good feeling to have. And as much as I regret, I really feel like that, that those 16 teams that we, we left on the board back in 2020, that was probably the deepest tournament field that I have seen since I've been following it. The, the, you know, one through 16, were all really, really good. And in a sense, I, I feel sad that we missed it, but at the same time, we've now got that lore, right? That's part of the history of D3. Now that we had this tournament that didn't get to finish with all of these really great teams and, and we had great performances again, you know, a lot of that is carried through and, and these teams have been able to prevail and, and we're going to continue to move forward. Yeah. Yeah. You get a good point. Um, and by the way, I'm very glad you, well, no, leave that for another time. Let's just say Ryan did some pronosticating after that 2020 tournament was, was pulled off the rails. I'm glad you did, you did the pronosticating then versus doing it in hindsight. I thought about that the other day. Um, but looking forward to whenever we pull that out. Um, I haven't March. That'd be March of 2025, Dave. I already okay. have it in a. I have it in a March of 2025 folder. So yeah, should, we, should we explain this before we go? Yeah, I so, think you're probably. Well, I, I was. I, was I didn't want to give my part of my withdrawal after the 2020 season and part of my my processing that loss. Right, is I actually went and predicted the way that I do for the tournament preview. Those last 16 teams all the way down through the final, I wrote, you know, game <laughs> predictions and who would win all the way through. And we've we've buried it in a vault for five years. Um, at this point, I hardly remember who I picked. So it'll be a surprise to everyone by the time we Pretty get around sure to 2025. <laughs> I haven't I haven't read it in a while either. I'm just guessing based on history. You probably picked Yeshiva. Uh, <laughs> I did pick them to win one game. Yeah. That's what I keep. Oh, bringing up you when ruined everyone, it. When, 
when everyone says that Randolph Macon would have a three-peat, I said, I didn't think they were going to win that Sweet 16 game two years ago. Well, so. I have not read it at all, but now you've just given away the one piece I didn't know. I do remember who I had winning, but maybe I'll forget by 2020. Speaking of which, before I let you guys go, and Buzz Anthony brought it up, um, the Atlanta banner hanging in Fort Wayne was an interesting touch. Um, they had the D1, D2, or the D2, D3 logo, and then they had a date of March 12, 2020. You know, I... In part of me was it was a nice nod to what had not been able to take place. And another part of me was like, huh? Okay. So, so on Thursday, when I was there for Media Day all day by myself, that was the first thing I mentioned to one of the unnamed committee members. Um, and the response I got was they asked us if it would be okay to put up. And we said yes. And we weren't quite realizing how big it was. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think it dominated things a little more than maybe they had anticipated. Yeah. Our camera guys uh, on Friday were a little infatuated with it too, but for the NCA broadcast, but it is what it is. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's the thing. It, it looks, it looks like it's, it looks like an accident or a mistake and I can understand what it was trying to get across. Um, it maybe needed some more words to get that across. And yes, it dominates that backsplash there. Holy shit. It'd be nice to get wow. them the banners that, that Salem had that commemorates all the champs or they, you know, I'll be honest with you, uh, Dave, you know, some of those were hanging for a while and they were looking old. Oh, sure. I didn't mean they had to get those banners. I just mean, okay. Let's get some new ones. Let's get them some, let's get new ones. Yeah. Let's get them some banners. Let's, let's do that. Let's, let's recognize the, uh, the champs that have come in the past. They uh, did that for football as well, by the way. They uh, all that's at their own expense. Um, yep, absolutely. So somebody yep. else has to have to have to care and be that invested in the championship going forward to make that happen again. Yeah, I agree with you. And, um, you know, there's four more years of Fort Wayne, so maybe there is. We're there, as you just said at the beginning of the show. We're through that cycle now. We're only two of the four got played, but. Um, we're into the new cycle moving forward and we'll be there till 2026. I can't actually remember who, where we're at for women next year, other than we're in Dallas, um, for the championship game. But I, I think it's Salem, but I'm, I'm not positive about that. You know, the, the last story that I have in front of me is still the 2019 through 2022 one. So. Yeah, I know where to find it, but I'm not going to go dig it up. We'll find it another time. Uh, I'm going to wrap it up there, guys, because we will we'll talk more about the season on a later date uh, and perk, you know and get more reactions on that. And we'll do another show, maybe talking about where, um, well, not the holding show, but talk about where enough making sits in the history and really maybe where hope sits in that history as well. Will be a good conversation to be had. But we'll let you guys go. But I appreciate you coming on the shows when you could, Ryan, especially yourself uh, appearing as much as you did. Um, help add more context and uh, add a different voice to the show. I really do appreciate that this year. Um, and I can't remember if I got, got you guys swag bags. I, I had the fear tonight that I didn't. And if I didn't, I did. Okay. Well, in that case. I got one. Good. Well, whew, I feel better because I actually thought I forgot because I was going to say, I'll get you one. Um, but in the meantime, Ryan, uh, any final thoughts on the season finale here, sir? Um, just glad that we got the season in glad that we had a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed the trip to Fort Wayne and, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to doing it again. Well said Pat. Yeah, I think pretty similarly. I, I was glad to see that two of the, uh, two of the programs that were there at the beginning of the break ended up being the ones that were holding up the trophies at the end. So I, I feel like maybe that's some slight consolation for some of the things that we lost uh, by not having two championships in a row. So I feel good about that. 
And now I'm going to feel really good about going back and finishing editing that football podcast, which is on my other screen that yeah, we you recorded fo- while we so, were in uh, recorded while in Fort Wayne. Yeah. That was pretty impressive. I, I just looked it up. 2023 Women's Basketball Championship will be in Hartford, Connecticut at Trinity. That's, That's right. Right. We, we ran that. Yeah, I remember that story. So homecoming for Gordon Mann. So they get the Elite Eight Final Four, I'm assuming. I, guess I would guess would because be, yeah. right because they're going to they're going to Dallas they're combined in Dallas so yeah well we'll see yeah, how it plays we'll out have, we'll send uh, so that will be uh, Riley Zayasville then that's good oh yeah <laughs> Riley can just cover it for us Riley it's all you buddy we're just not going to show up good luck <laughs> by the way he is eager that guy is eager to he do is it, so. and, and hat tip man they drove back all day Sunday to get back to Texas that was a long haul starting and they told me at three a.m. I beat him home for dinner. I didn't think that was actually going to be possible with the way um, my my timing works sometimes. But uh, hats off to uh, Riley and his dad. Nice to meet them, um, and uh, hope they're on board for a long time because Riley's a good good dude. Writes good stuff. Um, Pat, I, you, you got, did I get final thoughts from you? You did, but now I'm wondering from Ryan if the story has the rest of the uh, the rest of that cycle. Ah. Um, I, the our... page the page I found has every NCAA championship for every division listed chronologically, so it would be hard to find the rest of them right now. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. <laughs> hey, gentlemen, thanks so much. We'll look forward to getting you on podcast down the road, uh, talk more about the season that was, and start looking ahead to the season that is, and uh, enjoy a little bit of downtime in the meantime, and uh, look forward to catching up. <laughs> yeah, right, maybe some sleep. And uh, look forward to catching up with you guys down the road. Thanks, for, as always, for being on the show. Appreciate it, and I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thank you. See you guys. Thanks for what you do for Division Three basketball. Oh, thanks, Pat. You too. <laughs> <laughs> Fat Coleman, Ryan Scott, join us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate them joining there throughout the season. Um, that's going to wrap it up, folks. I want to thank Josh Merkel from Randolph Macon, uh, Brian Morehouse from Hope, and of course Buzz Anthony and Kennedy Schoonfeld uh, from Randolph Macon and Hope, respectively. Uh, a reminder: Justin's tr- Trophy f- finalists, well, uh, winners. Will be announced later this week. We'll find out if it's Buzz and Kennedy or if it's two other individuals representing Division Three. Um, I want to thank their sports information directors as well, Alan, um, of course, at Hope and Phil at Randolph Macon for all their help, not only today but throughout the season uh, as well. Uh, again, a reminder: we'll switch to podcast format in the off season, starting with one mid mid or so April. And then we'll go from there, uh, one a month, unless we feel like there's something we want to get um, put out there that's a little bit more timely. It may not always be me hosting, but we'll be the Hoopsville badge. So uh, we hope you'll tune in for those and enjoy them along the way. If you miss any of the archives, you can certainly enjoy them as well. Uh, And thanks to Pat Coleman and Ryan Scott for being on the air, but also thanks to Pat Coleman, Ryan Scott, Gordon Mann, Bob Quillman, uh, Riley, um, who else? there's so many guys. Oh, geez. You know, Matt Snyder, of course, came on the show. So many individuals who came on this show throughout the season outside of the coaches and student athletes that we had on the show as well that helped make this show all the much better. We certainly get a lot of credit and a lot of recognition for the work we do, but we can't do it if we aren't getting guests to come on and talk and getting individuals to be part of this program to help us fill the space and, and not just hear me yammer away. And, of course, all the fill, uh, sports information directors who also help us get guests or suggest guests or whatever the case may be. So to everybody who's been a part of this season, really appreciate it. We have always thought this is the 19th season. We're moving forward thinking it's the 19th season. So should we be back on the air in November 2022? 
It will be our 20th season, and that is not something I say lightly. It is mind-blowing to me that we're still on the air with this show. So thank you to all of those who tune in as well, and to all those who have supported the show. D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches, Women's Basketball Coaches Association, Blue Frame Technology, also Jersey Genius and Chalk Talk Sports who came on board. Uh, Sports Sense, uh, thank you to them and the many others who have supported. We do have T-shirts. We will tweet the heck out of that link for the next uh, week or so so you can get some T-shirts like Brian Morehouse, like Matt Snyder, like Zach Snyder, and some of the others out there who have bragged about getting their shirts. That will help us get into our 20th season as well. So buy a few T-shirts and and wear them proudly, and we'll look forward to seeing you back here, not only for the podcast starting hopefully in April, but for our real shows when we get back on the air with video coming up in November. And with that... We bid you adieu. If you want to talk Division Three basketball, you've got to watch Hoopsil, and we hope you've enjoyed this season and doing so. We'll catch you in November with a video show. In the meantime, we'll catch you in April with the podcast. Good night, everybody. Enjoy it. Take care, and we'll talk to you on the other side of the offseason.